Men, no time has come to take back our castle. Too many of our fellows have died at the gates, and we will not be stopped now. I will lead you, soldiers. We will drive all before us in triumph. No matter what the odds, we will... Oh dear, I've just been shot. Oh no! Our leader is dead! We've lost our will to live! Goodbye, cruel world! Hey, Paisanos, it's the Backcheck Brothers Super Show! We're the Backcheck Brothers, and old school are games. We're not like the others. You get all the fame. If your backlog's in trouble, you can call us in the double. We're more retro than the others. You'll be hooked on the brothers. Get hooked on the brothers. Treats so hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure from RPG so we from consoles, computers, handhelds, and the others. Listen to our show, you'll be hooked on the brothers. Yeah, yeah. to the RPG Backtrack, where we talk about computer and console role-playing games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. This is the one, the only RPG Backtrack. I'm your host, Phil Willis, and this is your other host, the one, the only, Mr. Mike Minky. I learned a valuable lesson from my cousins the other day. If you leave a store-bought chicken out on the table for several nights, it will grow mold and have to be thrown away. Aren't you glad you learned this lesson, people? Wow. And you only heard it here first on RPG Backtrack number 187. We're going to war. Uh, not with mold, I hope. There's no winning that war. No, there isn't. Actually, mold is like, for me, it's the most disgusting thing in the world. I can, I'll go and clean cat litter pans. I'll go scrub toilets. But when there's mold growing up the wall, we'd have that happen in Florida. If there was a water leak or something, you'd come home and you would just find mold growing all the way up your wall it was so quick uh and and it would just make me want to pass out because horrible but you know what does it make me want to pass out talking to my good friend mr song jinger what <laughs> that's you how's it going it's been a while yeah yeah it, I mean, it's been so long that it's... amazingly phil forgot your name no no it's been so long he forgot his name <laughs> I, it says it says it right here it says it right here. Son Dreamer. It's right there. It's it's right on my Skype thing. Skype's never wrong. Of course, I did just update it today, so I guess there's always a possibility of some bug being introduced, but eh, I wouldn't worry about it. It comes from Microsoft, after all. Microsoft never does any ill by us. Mm-mm, not at all. It's not like they're out there giving uh, malware-infested textures to people playing Minecraft or anything. That doesn't sound like Microsoft. Mm, they're on top of that stuff. And we're on top of retro games. So we're going to be talking about a series of games called The Longest War. <laughs> yeah, Phil, you you got it. That's absolutely what it's 
dot com. Yeah. We're actually trying to figure out what is exactly. I feel like well, I feel every, like everybody you... can just take these letters L A N G R I S S E R. How would you pronounce that? Let us know. Longest War. You just spelled Longest. out Longest War. Longeser. There's no W in there, Phil. It's it's longest. It's the longest war. Well, There's it's also no T. Well, that's because it's spelled with a southern slang. Longest War. See, it's just like totally long. Hey, so we got a lot of games to talk about because there's a lot of games in the series, especially when you start talking about the imports. So we're going to be bringing back the import corner for this show. Uh, might have haven't done that one in a while. So uh, we got a lot to do. So we're going to go and jump right into it as soon as you listen to this musical selection. are back to talk about these longest war or as they say in the south langreaser games langreaser yeah grease up these longest war games i think that's what it means no it's a land greaser it greases your lan yeah yeah get your land working slicky slickity splitty i like it well I'm going to be quiet from here on out because I've never played any of these games. And I'm going to listen to these fine gentlemen after I introduce Warsong, otherwise known as Lan Greaser in Japan. This was uh, developed by Messiah Games. 
uh, in A-S-A-Y-A, not like Messiah dying on a cross somewhere like that, uh, published in North America by Treco. Uh, this was published on all kinds of platforms, but we are talking about the Sega Genesis version, I believe, released uh, in 1991. This is a tactical RPG single-player experience. And, of course, if you say single-player tactical RPG experience, I immediately think of Shining Force, not some, you know, longest war. Well, Phil, this is not like Shining Force. No? But it is really good, actually. Hmm, Well, tell me more, Mr. Binky. Well, John, you've actually got this one very fresh in your mind. I can definitely contribute, but you're probably going to be sustaining the the deep plot of a 1991 strategy game. Oh, yeah, deep, deep plot. Um, We'll say just overall about the game, yeah, it's a tactical RPG, but it's fairly different than a Shining Force type game. Um, it's probably a lot more RPG light and more strategy heavy. I, I would say you could compare it more to like an Advance Wars to a degree. Uh, and I've, I've hardcore gaming came up with a phrase that I'd like to appropriate here. The scale of these battles is what sets them apart because there are a lot of units on these battlefields. Sometimes annoyingly so. Yeah, especially in this first one. But yeah. Okay, so you've got your commanders who are your protagonist people and each of them can hire troops before each battle and the enemies can do the same they've got commanders and troops that surround them yep so the commander um the commander can get up to eight troops and it's all of one type and certain commander classes get certain troops so uh the fighter class can only get soldiers and uh, there's a cleric class that only gets guardians, and as you, every 10 levels of a commander class, they get to a promotion, and these promotions will unlock uh, more powerful soldiers that they can hire out. And um, and you might want to have a fac in front of you or be looking at the manual to know what you'll be getting with your promotion choice, because there's a choice, and it doesn't quite tell you on the game screen exactly what each choice entails. <laughs> Yep, and so the only there's only the commanders are basically the only named ones. Um, so all the other soldiers, they if they kill stuff, they gain experience for that commander. So you basically have what is it, eight nine characters? I think it is ten, a total ten. of nine, total of ten characters. So you're you're That's having, right, yeah. you can have up to eight in battle at once. You'll never have more than nine characters on your team. So spoiler alert. Um, so they they run around the you know uh, art. It's kind of like the rock paper scissors system uh, to a degree as well. Um, so archers do well against soldiers. Soldiers do well against well. Wait, soldiers do well against archers. Archers do well against knights. Knights do well against soldiers. That's how it is. Yeah, but knights destroy soldiers much better than soldiers destroy archers. So soldiers are still kind of the weakest. And there are a whole bunch of other types of troops, especially when you factor in all the monsters you're going to be fighting. Yep. Some of them kind of equate to your troop types, and some of them are slimes and undead things and flying gargoyles and whatnot that don't really. So the balancing in this one's, I think, kind of on the poorer side. I wish it would have been a little better Uh, for, like, the clerics and the wizard-type characters. That get guardsmen, they're pretty worthless except against oozes or serpent knights, which are 
you, you'll see them in some battles, but otherwise, you know, they're they're just fodder and they just don't do anything to any of the other soldier types. So, and then you have things like mermaids the, for for a certain character, and they're pretty worthless. Uh, they're, well, they're, they're, they're you, not worthless in the water, but there are no water levels halfway through the game. <laughs> yeah, and even in the water, they're not as powerful as you think they should be, right? If they're going to have that big of a weakness, they should just totally destroy things in the water. And they're pretty good in the water, but they're not like amazing they dominate, right? So their usefulness is and on cool. land, they have such pitiful movement that it's mm-hmm. just not a it's not worth it. Nope. So you've got one, uh, what is his name, Tiburon, I think is his name, the guy yeah, who, Tim. he can either become, uh, what is it, a pirate or a captain, something like that. Which you can become a serpent knight or a knight, and I make him a knight. Yeah, if you make him a serpent knight, then he will also be really good in the water and have crap movement outside of it, and that means he will be left in the dust every freaking battle. So basically you have a whole bunch of knights, lords, and uh grand knights so you you don't really get to i would prefer to diversify the cast a little more as far as classes and such go to get you know different but really the those classes are the best with uh lord and uh your your main character become uh was it the royal king a king and it's pretty pretty dominant and i think the grand knight is really good too and i think uh sabra can become a grand knight as well can't she also become a ranger, which yeah. has no troops, but it if you put it on the right terrain, then it can just destroy everything. Well, supposedly it's kind of the ranger's kind of like a some semi-secret class, and it's really good. But you have to do four promotions, which is tough. Yeah, there just isn't enough experience available for you to be able to get it naturally. With yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. This game, you there's a limited number of experience because there's a limited number of enemies throughout the game. So if you kill an enemy commander. And uh, strategically to destroy an entire force, well, you've lost all of those troops you could have gotten experience from. So making the battle easier is and flying through them by killing the commanders, and 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 which would be the the best strategic move in most cases, is actually a poor move in the long run because your characters will then be under leveled for the late game. Yeah, and you don't get you don't get all of the experience just by killing the commander that you would if you killed all of the troops first. Right. That might make sense since. When you kill a commander, all of the commander's troops die. <laughs> yep, yep. Which works the same on your team. If one of your commanders goes down, bam, all the troops die. Oh, yes, and this original game, it's a meanie. If one of your people dies, your person is dead forever. Mm-hmm. And you you don't have a whole lot of spare people. In fact, you have none. <laughs> This is not like Fire Emblem where you're going to get a whole bunch of worthless characters tossed at you. So if you just want to clear out the ranks a little, you can let some of them die. No, you have just enough people. And if you let one die, you're going to be undermanned the rest of the game. So don't See, don't let that happen. Early game, you do kind of get a Fire Emblem type character, which is Baldurov. And I say Fire Emblem type because he's that uh, more powerful early on character that you, that will eat up your experience if you let him kind of yep. character. And, and uh, he doesn't even that, gain levels. He's kind of a he's a he's actually I use them. He's, a, he's got really high defense. I'd use him to kind of be a tank sorta and and hurt any soldiers, but don't kill him. And then use your weaker soldiers to come in and clean up after him. That's his best. But you got to be careful that he doesn't get attacked too much and kills off enemies because then it's just a an XP hole. So you got to be careful. Definitely, and. That's one where you have to watch out for the enemies because 
It's not that they're super intelligent. It's that they'll pretty much attack anything that's in range. And if you put him in range and are trying to keep Garrett, the one guy who can't die because if he dies, the game's over, out of the <clears throat> out of range in order to protect him, then he's not going to get stronger. And you desperately need him to get stronger because he is your leader for a reason. Yeah, and another thing you're talking about the AI. The AI is pretty bad in this, especially <laughs> early on when you have several characters who you can't control that are AI that that assist you. They'll run around and they will send. They'll keep sending that same troop that's going to get destroyed in one attack over and over. It's like throwing them against a wall, and they'll just use all their troops on that one character. And the enemy, the enemy will do it to you. So you can use it to your advantage at times, but. It also kind of feels a little cheesy doing it. What was it? The second battle, Mina hasn't formally joined you. She's still AI controlled, and you have to depend on her not to be too stupid. <laughs> yes. Yep. That and then Thorn for a few levels is a moron, and um, yeah. So and the enemy does it all the time. However, usually the enemy will always attack your soldiers first, and then attack your leader if there's no soldiers left. However, every now and then they'll go after your leader, and which could be bad because oh yeah they're fine they're not even gonna get attacked, and then three units come and attack one of your commanders and they kill them, and you're like shit. <laughs> Crap! That that was a long battle, and I have to do it over again. Well, luckily there is a suspend feature where you can keep playing. So yes. if you die in game in battle and you suspended it. Uh, or like a quick save sorta you can come back to that safe spot instead of having to exit the game when suspending so it does actually have an in battle save system which is fairly rare for games of this type in the back you know around when this was made actually maybe yeah, one of the only ones 1991 that that was a luxury on a console then yeah oh yeah because i know like shiny force you can't save in mid battle okay or you can suspend but you can't save and come back. Uh, you can't save and then keep going in the battle. Yeah, then you have to reload it from the main screen. Right, right. With this, you really need it because there are only 20 battles in the whole game. And even the first one can take you a while because you're trying. You're not trying to win it. You're trying to get the hell out of there as your castle is under attack. But also trying to get enough kills along the way not to waste too much experience. Yeah, you, it's a careful balancing act. How many of these guys can I kill before the really tough ones are going to get in my face and plow me into the dirt? You know, and that's one thing I kind of also like about this game, or one thing that always caught me is the first battle might be the best battle in the game, uh, or at least one of the best beginning battles of a tactical RPG-type game. Um, you're basically thrown in. You start the game up, you see a little scene, you're thrown in right away. It's like, okay, battle time. Uh, a bunch of enemies are attacking a castle, and you and a few other commanders with some troops are trying to defend it, and uh, your your dad's the king, and then he tells you, okay, run, escape, so you got to escape out of there, and it's just, bam, right away, massive scale battle. Enemies coming in, you're seeing all kind of stuff going on. It's This is pretty cool, and then you, you get your guy out. To me, uh, it was always one of the more interesting you know, most RPGs or tactical games, you start off like a character or two and you do a little battle against like three or four guys. And, and they'll usually slowly... be wimps. <laughs> yeah. Now this this is like they're there, they're tough right away. And, they'll, you know, if you do the wrong thing, you'll just die. Oh, game over. So it's easy to. <laughs> and I know it is theoretically possible to actually win this. I have never done it. I tried it a couple of times. You have to have a whole lot of things just go really, really right for you. you and yeah, you. you your dad is on a throne, and in Londrisser, when you're on a throne, you have amazing defense bonuses, but he's still going to get swarmed. And one thing the Londrisser AI does 
is anytime it's damaged over a certain amount, it will just sit there and heal and not do anything else. Actually, we didn't explain that. Yeah, and another thing, uh, do you want to talk about more gameplay stuff, or do you want to get into like the story and all that? Let's t- touch into a couple of gameplay things first. All right, so your commander has 10 hit points. All of the troops have 10 hit points each. As they take damage, that goes down. Your troops, though, can be healed by three each, either by spells or just by standing next to their commander. Each turn, they'll get three troops back. So if you leave off an enemy for a little while, it will just replenish itself to full strength. And and then there's the command bonus area, which at the start, you've got Garrett, and he's only got a command bonus area of a couple of squares, but that increases as he gains in classes and all of your other people do, too. Inside that bonus area, your troops get, oh, I don't know, when you start, it's only plus two to attack and plus two to defense or something like that. But it's significant when usually it's a straight attack minus defense equals the damage you do. So every little bit helps. And the the AI will always use its command range. It will never, if it can possibly help it, take a troop out of there. So you can try and run with that and fool the, the AI by just, sacrificing a couple of troops and sending them off to die and thereby clearing the path for a moment. But it's a very useful mechanic because it requires you to synchronize your commander and troop movements, which is easy in these games because uh, everything is strictly turn-based and there's no agility rating, so everybody can move whenever you want them to. Yeah, it makes it a little more limited and a little more strategic in that way where you can't just run them around wherever you want and mix and match them kind of got to keep the troops around their commander i mean you can leave them but it's they're not going to do nearly as good and you you said it's a kind of a straight attack versus defense and it is but there's a a, i think some kind of dice roll in there on every attack because they'll they'll have like little mini attacks inside the battle that's all automated and say you say you have a certain troop type fighting another troop type they'll go five to five one one match and one time they attack each other and then the other time one troop will lose eight guys one troop will lose three guys and then sometimes you'll go and kill the entire group so there's some kind of algorithm in there it's true i oh and there are a couple of troops mostly the archers where even if they have a super weak attack because they're archers you get to see in the animation that their arrows go flying first so they get the first strike and then they'll if they're attacking a commander head-on they'll probably all die but their arrows will still have a chance to do something. Yeah, because so, uh, the battles kind of play out, I, you know, not too, uh, a much simpler version of, say, like a Dragon Force battle is a, a way I like to compare them. So they kind of, you're, you're 10 and 10 if they're fresh units, they just run across at each other on the battlefield, and or in an archer's case, shoot at, it, shoot at the enemy. And an archer will only shoot however many arrows as the one arrow per, per unit. So if you only have five archers left of a uh, they've been damaged, they'll shoot five arrows, so, so they can max possibly kill five guys. However, two horsemen against a bunch of s- soldiers could actually kill five or six soldiers. Uh, so th- that is, while well, archers have a benefit of that, uh, of being able to shoot first, they also have a limitation where their damage is capped. Yeah, it's true. Uh... Um, the other gameplay stuff... Oh, yeah, 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 there's, there's something else about this very first one that's kind of annoying... It's, it's that the combat animations always play and you can never turn them off. Yep, and there's no way to cycle through units. So when you're moving a whole you know group of nine commander and eight units, you got to click them, move them, move go back, back to, to the, the go know. back to that troop, move it, go back manually every time. Yeah, so you can't just L button or 
or X or you know A B or B or select to scroll through like you can like a Fire Emblem game or something like that that cycles through your troops, which would be really handy when you're doing mass troop movements. Yeah, when you've got eight commanders each with eight troops, that's seventy two units you need to move in the turn. And, and you then, can't really yeah. trust the AI to move you can set up a function I where the troops will automatically follow the leader, but you don't want to trust in that all the time. And conversely, enemy turns in big battles can take a long time. Sometimes so much you can go get up, go to the bathroom, get you a glass of water, come back, and still the enemy's turn. Because... Uh, okay, <laughs> I got to jump in here, guys. Okay, because I'm sensing a little bit of a negative overtone here about, you know, hey, we got to move 72 people one at a time. We got to wait, you know, for, you know, for the enemy to take his turn. You can go out and get a, you know, a pop, a, a hot dog while you're waiting. And you're almost saying this as if it's a bad thing. Guys, this is exactly what our audience wants. They want a game that not only is entertaining, but teaches them life lessons at the same time, <laughs> such as the important life lessons of patience. We're just so spoiled with computer games nowadays where enemies take their turns, you know, quickly ai enemies are like almost instant these games really taught us what life was really about about patience just like the old dos games that i loaded off a floppy disk you know that's why i'm such a patient guy nowadays (laughs) no i've got it to where i play on my retro crt and i have above it i have my uh mounted my uh lcd tv so during enemy turns i'm sitting there watching tv There you go. Down. Oh, they killed one of my guys. Up back to TV. Yeah. Well, so my uh... <laughs> actually, that's pretty much how I play Dragon Quest because you know some of the Dragon Quest games really do move slow for me. Like whether it's walking around a dungeon or it's combat and waiting. I mean, it's just even. It's not that it's that long, but man, they're just kind of slow. How's Dragon Quest Seven going for you, Phil? It's it's going. It's back in now. We're we're hopping. We're island hopping. We're gonna talk about more of that on the final lap if we make it. Yay. <laughs> So, continue. Now, these are not huge issues. This is just stuff that gets changed for the better in later games in the franchise. So, when you go back to the very first one, you'll notice a few inventory and combat issues that, you know, could have been improved because they later work. Yeah, But, of course, this is the one that came out across the ocean. It's a bit older... Not, uh, you know, it's got that more simple feel to it and a lot of things. More uh, raw, maybe, is the, the right... I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right term. Uh, unrefined? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another one. So you could equip one... Uh, each character can have one item. It's usually some kind of weapon. Uh, there's a shield and a cross. Uh, but there's some swords, an axe, and the Warsong sword, which is the special sword. Which it's pretty good. naturally can only be used by your hero and has... No, anyone can use it. I'm thinking of later games again, can't I? <laughs> yeah, no, anyone can use it, and I think it gives you like four attack and four defense, so it's pretty powerful. That's the most powerful uh, uh, weapon you can get, though in one battle you get that dragon slayer sword, which is pretty pretty nice, but it goes away. And so, oh yes, and you and you have to buy the troops before each battle, which yeah. relates to how many things you've been killing because that's where you get all of your money. Yeah, if you do it right, money is never an issue for me. But I think if you don't kill all the troops or you skip to the end of the battle and leave some, and you hire troops for every commander every battle, which some battles you don't need troops or certain commanders don't really need troops, then you can run out of me. So you got to be somewhat strategic about how you do it, and a little thrifty and. 
don't buy a bunch of troops for a character you don't need to level up or waste experience on. Buy them for characters that need to help, you know, or the certain troop types. Say if your your guys can only make soldiers and or actually a lot of times I didn't buy troops for Mina or Kali because they could only have guardians, guardsmen, and guardsmen are only gets good against those two troop types. So if I wasn't fighting oozes or I wasn't fighting lizardmen, guardsmen were not bought. Otherwise, they were just pure waste of money. Yeah, both of those people can cast magic, which yep. gets you some experience. It's it's not necessarily as effective as killing things, but it will do the job if you give it some time. Yeah, Mina's I you always used her as my healer. You can also turn into like a warlock or a wizard. And the Kalai though is more of a you can make her a healer, but she starts off as a warlock and becomes a pretty powerful your most powerful magic cast damage magic caster. So um she's pretty good. Um so and even your fighters do learn a couple of spells. Yeah, certain the, ones like the Lord has one, I think, and then uh, the Knight does not, the Knight Master does not, but I think the Grand Master does. And the Magic Knight, of course, has magic. And magic is another thing that if you sit there and heal, in addition to getting three hit points back each time you heal, you also get two magic points back. Nope, you don't get that. Oh, okay, that's another thing that changed in the later games. <laughs> in this one, you don't get any MP back. Uh, however, you can, and I think in Langrisser 2, this is, this is the case, a uh, commander that gets hurt can use, uh, if they don't move for their turn, can rest, and they'll gain three HP back. So that's how you can sit there and rest up your, your commanders until they, they fully heal again. Which, And you also learn the enemy has certain... It's almost like Blackjack, right? They have certain... The, the dealer has certain rules they must adhere to. So... Yeah. If an enemy has less than six health, I think, they will always run back to the commander and heal. They won't attack. If a commander has less than six health, they will always sit there and, and treat their wounds. So you you can kind of use that to your advantage. Oh, uh, you know, there's a few enemies left. They're at five, four health, and, you know, whatever. And this enemy has nine health. You can go attack that guy. So you know he's not going to attack one of your guys next turn and kill him. So you can kind of or, or here's down. this jerk who's really strong, but if you can manage to hit him with a magic spell that'll take him down a couple of HP, then he'll sit there for a turn. Yep, yep. So that you can use that to your advantage as part of the strategy. But other than that, the gameplay is that's kind of how you know pretty pretty standard. It kind of you know it doesn't deviate from that throughout the entire game. Uh, it's very it's a more simple strategy game. You got your Kind of your paper rock scissors and some other other tidbits thrown in with the the oozes and the guardsmen and and the magic user kind of thing and there's some monster enemy classes uh, we'll talk about more when we go through like the story progression of the game yeah some of the monsters I recall are you kind of have to use magic or else their defense is so ridiculous they they don't die quickly really what it is is uh, the mounted knight troops are what you have to use for most of the monsters. So yeah, and a couple of your commanders can't get those, so they're right. not much help. <laughs> yep. So you ready to jump on to the next one? No, I don't think we're done talking about. We didn't talk about the story or anything. Uh, this won't take too long. This is a ninety-one Genesis game, but we yeah, should give you, it. <laughs> you escape the castle. Your dad gets killed. Uh, this other country you're fighting against, or empire, or a kingdom. They was want the Empire the Python, wasn't that? Yes, yeah, Emperor Pythion, yeah. Pythion, okay. And they want the Warsong Sword to open up uh, some evil or whatever. So the Warsong Sword has like an evil trapped inside of it. And 
So you go through, and about halfway through the game, you kill, you fight, and kill Pythion. You you kind of you go escape to your brother Duke or friend Duke. Uh, Duke. Oh, and during this period, you're also getting several people who were there at the castle in the very beginning. They just show up and offer their services to you because um, they somehow got out of certain death. <laughs> yeah, so Kalai, Sabron, Tiburon are the three guys that help you that join up, and then uh, Carly. Well, that Duke is one Carleon. nice thing, actually. If if one of your c- companions who is not yet controlled by you but is still controlled by AI gets killed, they're not dead. <laughs> it's only when you control them that they die. <laughs> so you go through the game, uh, through those levels, you get Duke Carleon's help, you go back and take back your castle, and you go and you then start attacking the Empire, and you challenge Pythion, and actually probably the hardest battle in the game. It's really big. Yeah, he- he starts with a really nasty position where you've got a choke point to get through and you can't, or most battles you're allowed to switch to a point where your commanders are set up. Not this one. You're stuck. So you go through and basically you're like, man, am I at the end of the game? It's only like battle 10 or 11 or something. What was the battle 11? I think, I think it's 12. I'm it's actually, 12. I'm pretty sure it's 12 because yep, 12, I remember that right. one. That one gave me a serious problem when I first played the game. It is battle 12. So, you finally kill Pythion, uh, one of the harder battles, and then after the rest of the game, that you're you're for, for up until then you're mostly fighting human enemies, and then after that you're mostly fighting monster enemies. Actually, you're almost exclusively fighting monster enemies, I believe. So you'll fight things like werewolves, um, cockatrice, uh, basilisk, not cock- basilisk, sorry. Uh, there's a else? dragon that yep. serves as a boss a couple of times. <laughs> yep, a great dragon. Uh, what are golems? Those? Yep, golems. Um, and lots of undead. So that's right. In the very last battle, you will fight uh, troops again, I believe. Or actually, last two. So you fight monsters for a while. So you're basically going to this special place where the Warsong Sword was, or where were they going? I'm trying to remember. You try not. You don't really. It's kind of tough to pay attention. Uh, I remember, I, exactly I remember that you're fighting Chaos at the very That's end. That's who it is. Yeah, Chaos is who was trapped in the War Song. And Chaos is the recurring villain of the series. Oh, is he? Okay, I didn't know that. So he's it's Mr. Philo- uh, Philosophical Chaos. He has some things to tell you. Uh, humans are doomed, and you're gonna it's going to happen again. And he only comes when humans kind of get out of line and start killing each other. It's kind of a trope now. You've heard it in a bunch of – you've seen it in a bunch of other media. Yeah, this game is 27 years old now. It, don't expect the narrative to floor you in every regard. But unless they try to be a little little intelligent at the end. It, it was interesting. Yeah, and I actually remember some of the chunks of the story, which is more than I can say for a lot of 1991 RPGs. Yeah, he the universe consists, consists of chaos and order. I was created to protect the domain of chaos against intruding order. And uh, humans are obstacles. However... There's one thing that's created by the world, that is light. Light constantly seeks the evolution of the universe. Light is that through which all living things are born. But the world made itself worse. Through evolution, it is in danger of destroying itself. How can you stop it? You humans are killing each other in the process of destroying the world. That's why I was revived, to save the world. So the bad guy, Chaos, is trying to save the world from humans that evolved from light. So, And, and that gets that doesn't necessarily get altered, but it does get developed a little bit in further games because chaos is not any one person. It's kind of an, a psychic impulse that gets transferred between people. So there's not one single person that's chaos. If you kill one chaos, then chaos 
takes over someone else. Yeah, and he thinks himself as good. He's saving the world, but yet the game says chaos is evil. So it's kind of, hmm, is he really evil or is he right? So he does try to put that gray area in there, but it's mostly run around, kill bad guy. Kill yeah, evil. It, it doesn't make any attempt to say that the werewolves or the basilisks deserve your sympathy. They need to die <laughs> because they're trying to eat people. <laughs> so that's, that's, I mean, that's, I could go in more into the story, but. You know, you eventually lose Balderov. He sacrifices himself for you, kind of like a la Fire Emblem, several of the Fire Emblem games. Um, you get another guy, I think, that sacrifices himself for you later, but it's not that obvious that he does. Um, at least that I remember. I was like, hey, where'd he go? And he's gone. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's one guy, his name's Lance. You fight him a lot. You beat yeah. the crap out of him, what, five times? Isn't he like Pythion's son or something like that? I don't remember what his relationship was to Pythion, just that he's there a lot. He keeps showing up. You have to kill him over and over. And because he's AI, he's an enemy. He doesn't die. And then he joins you for a while. And of course, if he, if you let him die, then he's dead. But then even if you didn't let him die, then he just leaves you near the end of the game anyway. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right before the, maybe the second to last battle, he leaves you. And I think he, I think he goes off and sacrifices himself for you, but it's not made that clear. You kind of got to decipher it a bit, but that's really, I'm guessing it's kind of on the same, same level as like an old fire emblem game. Story-wise it's, it's not, it's kind of simple. You have your little, your little explanation between battles. Battles roll one right to the other. There's not a lot of exposition in between at all. And then all the conversations happen during the battle. So, yeah. And that, Compared to a Fire Emblem game of the period, I think there is more dialogue. The very sure. f- This would be around the period of the very first Fire Emblem, where I only played the, the Super Famicom remake of that, but there was very little story in that. <laughs> and there are actual mid, mid-battle cutscenes. Cutscenes, I mean, a, a few lines of dialogue, but more than you usually saw in games at the time yeah usually on a certain turn some dialogue will happen or if you get close if you get to a certain area you'll trigger something but i think that's it for the story most of you guys kind of get the point i would I, say i mean look at look at i should say that Tycho did a pretty good job of localizing for the time wasn't terrible no looking at some of the screenshots it reminds me a, a bit of advanced wars yeah you ever seen those combat cutscenes in advanced wars yeah, yep. yep. I think that's what I said. I think at the kind of the beginning, it's like Advanced Moors meets Dragon Force in a way. It looks cute. Oh, my wife really loves. She was watching it when I was playing with the Little Mermaids <laughs> in the first battle, or swimming around attacking. Oh, she's like, "This game is awesome. These mermaids are attacking it, it, these soldiers." It it does look better to me than than early um, Fire Emblem games. I mean, I have to compare, I guess, exact years and different imports and stuff to see. But I mean, compared to NES Fire Emblem games, it looks better. I mean, I it just looks hope more so detailed on the Mega Drive. It looks it looks more detailed and it has a little cut. It has a little cute cutscenes with multiple soldiers, whereas Fire Emblem would just usually just have one soldier against one soldier. Well, those soldiers are actual characters. These soldiers are like little units. I know, but it's cute. Yeah. And, and and you know and, and and this is this is this is a decade ahead of its time because these characters have faces, <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're little true. animations where they fight little things and 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 falling around and it's kind of cutesy looking. That is super cute. It's, it's Even the on... enemy commanders have faces that display whose troops you're attacking, and even if it's just a big slime, 
that's that's still cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cute. And of course, it did not do well in its initial release. Traco went bankrupt, and this is not one of your more easily found Sega Genesis titles today. I think a complete copy goes for about a hundred bucks now. Phil, are, are you going to do your eBay search to tell us how much a complete copy of Warsong will run us? No, I, I just um, I was I was just uh, looking on um, huh, I, I was just looking and I see that uh, I was just trying to see if we couldn't find this on like the virtual console and I mean I got a hit for the Wii but I'm still digging to see if that's just on the Japanese virtual console. I don't console. think you can. I don't even know who would have the rights to it now. Well, the virtual console now shut down, so I guess on the Wii. So that wouldn't even, even if it was on the Wii at some point, on the uh, vir- virtual console for sale, it no longer is, because that shut down not too long ago. So, sad face. Uh, I hope you guys didn't miss that, because I went and bought a few games, and I cherish now my Wii that has Ogre Battle and Ogre Battle 64 on it. <laughs> Uh, what, you, you don't like getting the original March of the Black Queen cartridge for Super Nintendo? I can't imagine why. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, now I've already got too many consoles lying around. <laughs> I need to actually cut down somehow. So, uh, but I digress. Anything else about this fine title? Um, the music. So there isn't a lot of different songs, but a few of the songs I kind of like. So you have your 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 team song and the enemy song and you have the intro song uh yeah in between battle song they're all kind of they got that sega sound to them with that kind of the snare drum sounding noises and a lot of them are like kind of marching um military sounding songs i honestly don't remember much of the music from the first one i'm remembering it from later games but i i like the title screen it's pretty good the enemy in the and your army song, they're not bad. Uh, my, the enemy's kind of got obviously a more ominous sounding one. It's got the, the special little drum note that kept catching my wife's ear. And she goes, oh, that you're playing a little uh, drumming sound game. She kind of makes a little <laughs> noise whenever it happened. You're starting to, actually, starting to annoy her, actually, it happened because I was playing it so much. But, uh, so yeah, not a big soundtrack, but they're pretty, they're pretty good. And. The some of the songs are pretty good, I should say, and the ones that are at least your army when you're fighting, it's not is it's not too annoying or too memorable that it kind of just blends together. You just know it's your turn, kind of thing, but you don't. It doesn't bother you, even though you hear it a lot. Uh, the enemy songs a little more noteworthy, or I should say, memorable or ear catching. Maybe not in a better or worse way than yours, but because. Y- of that like my wife like i said my wife noticing it you notice it more so that could bother some people if they keep hearing that over and over again but well i suppose i should mention what i did with my original copy i told you about it john that i couldn't get past that battle with Pythion, so i used the level select or whatever the hell we want to call it <laughs> and i went back and replayed a couple of earlier battles in order to buff up my characters because that battle is nasty and I wasn't as good at tactical games then as I guess I am now. I did it. Uh, I beat it on my third try. The first try, I lost the command. Actually, it was both first two tries. I lost the commander in a situation. I didn't think I was going to lose the commander, and it, it pissed me off. I was like, "Oh man!" So that was it for that game for the night. I think it took me. So it took me a couple nights to beat the the level twelve. 
Because you get so far and they're so long. And like, oh, I forgot to save in battle. And, <laughs> and somebody died. Yeah, each turn. I mean, you think you're moving. You could be moving 72 or no, more than that. Eight or eight times. Yeah, 72. It's your eight commanders and eight troops per commander. So, yeah, it takes a while. <laughs> and again, you can't skip any of the battle animations so whenever you do something during your turn aside from just moving it'll take even longer yep so they you know, some of these battles will take you a couple hours especially near the end mm-hmm. yeah i seem to remember the last battle i don't even remember how many enemies there were but it was over a hundred there's a lot there's definitely a lot um overall I like this game. I really liked it back in the day, back in the early 90s. I think I rented it once, and then I play it on emulators, and I played it in the, I think I was in college, so early 2000s was the last time I played it, and I can't remember. I don't think I quite beat it. I uh, played on emulators, but I think now I don't recall it quite as fondly as I used to. There's some things I really like about it, and taking putting it in perspective for when it came out, it is still pretty good for what it does compared to other games. But, you know, it's not going to compare to, like, a Shining Force 2 for me. It's not as accessible of a game. It's uh, the strategy, while it's fairly good, it's not as balanced or complex or deep as I would like. Uh, some units are under underpowered to where, you know, if you if you really know the ins and outs in the game, it's not as fun some ways because you're more limited to where you can go and try and experiment a bunch, but you'll soon find that some of the enemies are just worthless and it's why, why are they there? Why is this like that? So I, I've been playing some of the second game and I think some of that's been addressed. I would agree with that. Oh, and yeah, Traco renamed pretty much every character for the localization. I'm not quite sure why. It's one of those where if you had a copy or you play, it's, it's still worth your time to play it. I think especially if you're a fan and you love the roots of uh, strategy, uh, tactical type RPG games, even though it's RP, it's kind of RPG light. Like I said, however, I wouldn't now I got mine cheaper a few years ago before it ballooned in price, but I wouldn't pay a hundred dollars for it. No. And I wouldn't either, but it is certainly more worth a hundred dollars than some of the other ridiculously rare games that are known by everyone to be crap and yet people still want them for their collections anyway. Agreed. It, it, it's a solid, fun game. Uh, you know, not the best strategy RPG, but far from the worst. Uh, it's it's pretty good. But it's, uh, it hasn't aged as well as I would. I, I My memory of it was better than what I played, even though I, I enjoyed it enough to beat it. Which says something now, because I'm less patient than I used to be. <laughs> With, yeah, and I kind of replayed it Jesus, this is still nine or so years ago but we'll get into that when we get into the the 32-bit era for this series which won't take very long but it got remade on the 32-bit systems so the sequel to it land grisser 2 whoa whoa, whoa don't steal whoa, my thunder whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this is this is this is this is pretty much all i do on this show oh, oh. i thought you were like <laughs> kind of gone or something so there you go sorry sorry what? Go. me gone yeah you said you're like taking a back seat you weren't going to hear you, so I, I didn't I mean, know. I mean, like I'm listening so, well, with abated yeah. breath. I'm hanging on every word that drips from the lips of you two. I'm right I'm I'm dusting off your shoes right now for stepping on your okay. toes there. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Man. All right. <clears throat> me, 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 me. The Longest War 2. 
It was developed by, <laughs> by Mosea Games, published by Nippon Computer Systems, published on a variety of platforms. Which platform are we talking about on this one? Well, the original version on the Mega Drive is the only re- true Longrisser 2, because all of the other ports that say they're Longrisser 2, they're actually their Longrisser, which is... I'll, I'll have to explain oh, how it's different. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. We're supposed to talk about Incarnation, right? I'm sorry, I got my little things mixed let's, up. Cause... No, let's let's save that for the end. It is the last game, okay. and honestly, it's very much worth going into last and least. <laughs> okay, so 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 this was uh, released in Japan on August 26, 1994, and this one did come out on the Virtual Console on April 14, 2009. This is a single-player tactical RPG. <laughs> yeah, in Japan only. This is a single-player tactical RPG experience. Now. The floor is yours, gentlemen. Well, all right. Let's say that this also has another very interesting beginning battle. Right, John? Yeah, you're, uh, you're a new hero guy, and he, you got your friend, and there's uh, a girl you're trying to save. And then some powerful units are running around attacking in the upper portion of the screen, and kind of a, an ass, a very mean, cruel guy is killing some some uh, priestesses and, and townsfolk and... It kind of goes around. Uh, there's not a lot of action for your guys so much. You think you fight two units versus two units, but uh, the stuff going on, a lot of dialogue happening. You kind of, you kind of immediately get the, hey, this is War Song, but hey, this is War Song, but a little different, and it hits you right away. Yeah, and in that first battle, that jerk who's been slaughtering people, he tries to kidnap a girl. He tries to make it to the edge of the map with her, and the very first time I played the game, well, I was playing it in Japanese, so I didn't fully grasp what was going on. Once he got to the edge of the map, that was it. Game over. I lost. <laughs> you have to catch him before he gets the hell out of there. Yeah, and I kind of stood in the middle when I was playing, and he just kind of ran over to my guys when we fought. So maybe, yeah, cause I, but I knew from the dialogue what was happening, so I kind of moved him over there. So uh, that wasn't too bad. Uh, what Some of the big changes in this, um, you only get six characters in your uh, your group instead of eight. And I think the sprites are kind of even go for a little bit more of a super a deformed big, look. Yeah, bigger head, more of a cutesy look than than the first game. The first one didn't look realistic by any means, but it looked more so than this one. This one is a lot brighter though. Brighter, and I think the sprites are even bigger and and cutesier, bigger headed. I think was it what's the term for that? Is it chibi? Chibi. There yeah, it is. More chibi. <laughs> Though, oddly enough, they actually take up, they're actually bigger in the battle animations than they were in the original, even as they're chibi. <laughs> and one cool thing in this one, you're, you can mix and match your soldiers. So you don't have to get all eight soldiers or six soldiers. You can get three soldiers and two archers and yada, yada, yada. And the enemies will do it too. Yep. But yeah, it's. It vastly helps you when you're trying to strategize. And I don't remember right now if the original game let you see what was going to be waiting for you in the battle, uh, just in the initial phase, of course. It does. But now you you can still do that, and you can attempt to purchase soldiers based on what you think you're going to be facing. And that's almost never what you're going to be facing for the entirety of the battle, but... And it's also like an item store. So in between different matches, different places you stop have different items available, and you can equip weapons, armor, and like a special miscellaneous item. So there's more uh, equipment and gear you can put on your characters in the first one. 
Yep. And yeah, you mentioned that you're down in in, in uh, troop numbers overall, which actually helps a little bit because it means that there aren't quite as many soldiers you need to maneuver each turn. Yep. Though what's interesting is the troop space, the command zone around your, your commanders, at least especially in the early classes, is smaller than the first one. But uh, it'll get bigger when you promote. And this game has more promotions. So the first one, you have different paths. You, you basically did two promotions. You did uh, one at 10, then basically, well, yeah, just at 10 each time. And the levels kind of, you probably went through 25 levels. Most of them are level uh, class three, level five promoted um around there where this game i think you can you, it's easy to go through five and you could even like reset your classes and re-level them uh leveling is, occurs much quicker yeah the experience part especially for the later classes took a long time to fill in the original mm-hmm. here especially in your early classes you take out one commander and troops that's a level or two right there yep you're, or, or more i think some classes gain levels faster than others too and it's all to the good because that helps you not feel like you're stuck there grinding for long. Yep. And the enemy, it's still not brilliant, but it is a little more devious at times in this one. It won't necessarily just attack you regardless of how it's going to get its brains blown all over the pavement. But for trying, it might actually try to stay on the defensive sometimes. Yeah, and the, the the battle designs are a little better in this one, too, I think. More interesting stuff happens instead of just your guys versus their guys. There's like, you know, these guys are trying to escape, or the, you got to protect this, move this person from here to there, this pops up. Uh, other troops or allies hop in at certain points of the battle to kind of turn the tide. So it's a lot more intriguing in that way. Uh, and the other thing, I also like, I think the balance is fixed a bit more. Stuff isn't as OP, uh, or I think commanders are watered down a little bit relative to troops. They don't seem to just decimate troops as as bad as they used to. Before, it's a commander versus these troops. They're just wiping them out over and over and over. You may get lucky to hit a few uh, spots, but commanders don't see. I think the overall damage output is kind of lowered where defense is. So you'll have a few battles where you'll do three or four damage instead of wiping out, you know, 10, 10, 10 over and over again. That still happens, but just not as frequently. I would agree. And I think, I mean, it's hard to compare, but the first time I played this game, I distinctly remember losing four battles, the first battle and several others later on, because it's not a cakewalk by any means. No, no. The the AI and the, and the enemy setup is good enough that you will actually have to think some in order to get your way through. Mm-hmm. And there's also a somewhat bigger variety of troops you can get thanks to all the additional classes. My only thing, I'm, I haven't beat one yet, and I'm still playing it, so I'm probably about halfway there. So I can't talk about all the story or all the in-game advanced classes, but the first half of the game uh, is it's mostly, I haven't seen anything in it that's not an imp- either the same or an improvement. I don't think anything actually gets worse in the second game. I would agree with that. It It looks brighter and... The sprites are bigger, so the, the battle scenes are more interesting on a consistent basis. The The reduction in troop levels overall means that things move a little faster. You have more variety. The strategy requires you to not just 
overwhelm them with numbers a lot of the time. And oh yes, I I can't remember when this battle is, but it's in there. There is a hidden battle with the stars of Choaniki, that other series from Messiah. I'm not familiar with this. Oh, Choaniki is that series where two guys with holes in the top of their heads go through space shooter type levels. Oh, is, uh, is that that homoerotic type one? Yes. Okay, that's right. Okay, I do know that now. Like they're kind of wrestling the entire time. Yep, and uh, yeah, here's yeah. They, they even say a couple of things, which of course I can't translate for you. Not really speaking Japanese, but uh, they're. There, there's a nice little image of one of them so that you can see the big hole in his head. <laughs> and that's their default expression. They always look as if they're just having the 20th drink of the night, something there's like that. something wrong with that. But uh, at least they still have faces. <laughs> they do have faces. I think Choaniki could sustain an entire show, even though it's not an RPG, but uh, it's another series from this company, and I seem to recall it got some notoriety when EGM featured the PlayStation entry because it had a whole bunch of creepy digitized things. Anyway, those those guys are in this game. They're optional bosses in, in a hidden battle, and they have a really goofy soundtrack while that battle plays. I can't I can't say anything other than goofy because it is so completely different from the style of the rest of the music in the game. And, yeah, the music in this game is actually pretty rocking. I really enjoyed this soundtrack. Yeah, it seems pretty good so far. Um, no complaints. I, I can't quite think of... Maybe it kind of blends itself in well with the gameplay. It's probably because I've heard a lot of the tracks in an OST arrangement where they're actually played with live electric guitars and drums. But they they rock pretty hard in that arrangement. And... Yeah, in this original version, I think that there's a total of 27 battles. It all leads up to a showdown with the Emperor, who is actually he's pretty he's pretty nasty. He's a worthy final boss, but I'll let you get there yourself because that's a pretty intense final battle. And I guess that leads us to Dare Langrisser. Oh, wait, wait, are we? Is Phil gonna get mad if we? Yes, I would. Hey. Thank you for asking. I would get upset. Dare Logan, sir. L- longest war. Long- it's there's the longest war. That's th- that's what this is saying. This is German for there's the longest war. This was, uh, this was no surprise, developed by Messiah Games, published by NCS uh, on the Super Famicom in Japan on June 30th, 1995. Another single-player tactical RPG experience. Big surprise. <laughs> Now, Der Langrisser is similar to Langrisser 2. In, in fact, it starts in exactly the same way. But something changes middle of the game. You suddenly have the choice. One of the Empire's commanders, a guy named Leon, who you fight a lot in the original version, he gives you choice. Do you want to join the Empire? And if you do, then suddenly... Most of the people who were fighting with you will leave and become your enemies, and you will get the four main Imperial generals on your team, and you go through a completely different series of battles for the rest of the game. And if you take that path, then later on, you will get an offer from 
Chaos. Yes, Chaos is back. He's again, you know, the name says it all. And if you take that offer, then the Imperial generals will all leave you and you get to have some Chaos troops on your side. And then you're fighting for Chaos against both your former friends of the non-Imperials and the Imperials. And that leads you into even more unique battles where since you're fighting more or less to have order overthrown throughout the world, that's kind of a dark ending if you get it. And then if you have taken the Chaos path, then you will get another choice even later. Will you betray Chaos too and try to fight just for yourself to conquer the whole world on your own? That is the one I have not seen, but I imagine it's kind of brutal. So that's the main thing Der Langerser offers you is uh, four different potential endings and not just endings, but huge stretches of the game change and completely different battles and completely different opponents. And it's a lot of fun. And there are even a few new characters added and a few new playable characters added here and there. And the overall story for the original rendition of isn't changed much. But boy, does it get different once you start betraying everybody. And yes, this is the only one that ever showed up on a Nintendo console until something that we will talk about later tonight because it doesn't deserve. Yeah, we have basically exhausted my Langriser, Langriser knowledge. So I have not played anything beyond halfway through Langriser 2. Well, I didn't play any of it because it seemed like such a long war. And I'm a busy guy. I need fast wars. I need Even advanced though, wars, but not longest wars. Even though you're still playing Dragon Quest Seven, that's, that's like not, the, that's longest the longest RPG. <laughs> it's like the that's what it should be called, the longest RPG. Forty hours in, and it's like I've just started. It's just it, it just it's insane. And remember, it's better on 3DS than it was I, originally. I can't imagine playing it original. I, I would have slipped my wrist. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Just, it's just it's just long. It's like the longest fight. I don't know. It's not a war, really. It's a bunch of fights. The longest fights. I, 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 it just it just goes on and on. It's like the Energizer Bunny Rabbit battery. That's what it is. It's the Energizer Bunny Rabbit of JRPGs. <laughs> I mean, especially the series as a whole. But we digress. Sounds like this is pretty cool. I like I, I like the idea that you can choose, you know, at the beginning, which is is kind of what we see today in like a Fire Emblem Fates, right? No, it's, you get to make it's that not decision at the, at the beginning. You go through the first few battles, beginning. yeah, and then one of the Imperial generals will ask you, "Do you want to help me? Help me out?" But I'm, that's not me. But I mean, near the be- like, maybe yeah. not the beginning, beginning, but towards you know, in, in a grand scope of how long these things are, you have the same thing in Fire Emblem Fates, right? You play a number of battles, and then battle five or six, you got to make a. A decision that totally determines what kind of battles and suddenly people will turn against you if you that were, you know, had your back at the beginning if, if you choose to go the opposite way. Phil, why you got to do this? You are reminding me that I only had Fire Emblem Fates Conquest. Do you know, I don't get that choice. If I try to make the other choice, it says you don't have that version of the game. Choice. Thanks, <laughs> choice cost money, Mike. That's not in thing. Longer, not in Der Langrisser. It's all there from the start. It's all there from the start. Because no, we're this gonna... came out in nineteen ninety five before anybody had the idea of DLC. We're gonna make you pay for your choices in Fire Emblem Fates. Man, we could go down a dark we could we could totally go off on a sidetrack here of how Mike really feels about DLC that offers you choices <laughs> or takes away choices or however you want to look at the glass half empty, glass half full. But anywho. Um but it sounds it sounds pretty cool. That sounded pretty it is. cool. And 
I even remember some of the remixes of the music in the in Der Langris are being pretty interesting. There are a couple of tunes that are slowed way down and made not quite full on rock songs anymore. They're made into more mid tune, mid tempo dance tunes. It's it's hard to explain, but it was very interesting to listen to. And of course, after I got to that point and made the choice, then the game was completely different. I was fighting with whole new allies and all the people who most of the people who had been on my team, I suddenly had to beat the crap out of over and over again in battle. Oh, did we mention that in Longrisser 2, if somebody goes down in battle, they're not permanently dead? Bonus! Yeah, they don't die in Langrisser. That's, that is one way to make it easier, and I think it's a good way, because the original game did not, it was not one of those where you can just let people die willy-nilly. Hmm. So... Seems pretty cool, but also probably pretty hard to get work in these days. Uh, well, we don't gonna... like to we don't like to talk about this, but I know Der Langrisser was one of the early games that got emulation attention. Well, I, I have uh, translated Langrisser two cart. Oh, nice! A repro, obviously. I don't have a Der Langrisser. I, I will say, in looking at some of the screenshots of the translated. I, I I really appreciate that they have um, used a very um, original font that that looks kind of medievally, you know, it looks cursive-y. Uh I, I I really hate one of the things I hate about some of the remakes that come out today uh, is when, especially the ones that are just basically ports of like an iOS version, is that they use this basic Arial style font, and it just kind of pulls me out of the experience. You know, it's a medieval game. At least put some, you know, some attention to the lettering. But the, it looks like the translators here who are working on the ROM did a good job there. That's my understanding. Is 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 it worth it, in your opinion, Mike, to go and search uh, for those uh, unmentionables? If I had a blast playing it untranslated on the Mega Drive and the Super Famicom, then I would say, yeah, yeah. Th- this is a really good game. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Cool. Do you want it? And, to, and, it, and okay. it's not nearly as unrefined as the very first one. This is much easier to keep going at a regular clip instead of having to fumble around a little bit with the intricacies of its not completely evolved inventory and uh, interface. Do uh, do you want to uh, do you want to talk about incarnation now, or do we want to go to the import corner technically with Langrisier three or whatever it's hell is called Long as War three, or what do we want to do here? Let's keep going with the imports. We're going in chronological order, more or less. Okay, so so somewhere, boys and girls, we officially entered the import corner. I'm doing a really bad job on mentioning the segment, so we just <laughs> blended two segments together. The main event. And the import corner. And it's just it's just one big, huge segment. That's what we're doing today. Just one big, gloopy segment. All right, so you want to move on to number three? Did you have to use the adjective gloopy? That's totally an adjective. It, it is totally. Uh, and you know what else is an adjective? Awesome. Which describes this can, a Devastator double lock beer that I'm drinking right now that's totally not impairing my judgment or speech. So... Do you want to do three or or, or let's go? One? Let's go for three. All right, Lang Langrisi Longest War Three, a sequel to the Longest War Two, was developed by CareerSoft and Misia Games. 
This was published by Nippon Computer Systems and Taito uh, on the Saturn and the PlayStation 2. Well, the Saturn is the original one. So Japan, October 18th, 1996 for that one. Another single-player tactical RPG experience. Now this one, through the Japanese, I actually noticed its story is kind of interesting because it sh- it's a prequel, so it shows you how the Langrisser and the Allhazard, which is the matching but chaos-inflected sword, came to be. They were created by gods that just transferred their essences into these swords that will be used throughout the generations. And you even get to see at the very beginning, the very first ca- person who was chaos got killed, and then the sword Alhazard approached another person who became the new chaos. That was kind of interesting. And there's also a, a romance element here where your hero, what is his freaking name? His name is Daihalto. And I can't believe I forgot his name because he's got one of those gigantic manes of golden lion hair, which doubles the size of his head. Uh, he can romance some of the ladies in the game and you get slightly different endings based on that. So that's the good stuff I can say about Longer Sir 3. The bad stuff about Longrister 3 is that somebody thought it would be a good idea to change things. You don't move the troops and the commander separately anymore. They just kind of you just pick a commander and move as one big conglomerate of a unit. But the uh, but the computer moves at the same time. You just have a movement phase where everybody moves and then once everything has moved, the computer just kind of shuffles everything wherever the hell it wants. Even if that means that one of your troops, because there was no room around your character, gets shunted off three buildings away so that you can't even see it anymore, that still counts, and the enemy can attack you from there, which kind of makes a mockery of any strategy when you can't control that. Who needs strategy? So it's kind of Vandal Hearts 2-ish. Yeah. Until you get into the combat animations, which I highly recommend you turn off on the Saturn because they take a long, long time with loading times. They look kind of like Dragon Force, but there's I don't even understand the point of them. You'll get a whole bunch of shots of your characters running around. Usually, and depending upon the landscape, there might be giant polygons representing walls or something that they have to run around and find the enemy and whack and bash each other for a little bit. And it almost because these things take so long, and they it almost looks like you can control them, but you can't. You're just watching a really long animation, complete with really long load times, and you should turn that off quickly because. When they add a minute to a minute and a half for each animation, boy, is that a long haul. So this one kind of has the black sheep reputation in the franchise because of that goofball decision to just have everybody move at the same time and the troops just kind of splay all over the landscape wherever there's room. And if that means that suddenly you are able to be attacked by something you're strong against and you had deliberately planned not to be attacked by that, to be far enough away, well, too bad, because one of your troops randomly wound up on the other side of the map. That's You're screw, you're kind of screwed now. And I don't regret having played it, but I don't ever want to play it again. How's that? I, to- that's the, I totally understand that sentiment. Uh, you, you enjoy a game just enough to kind of get through it and feel satisfied that you knocked it out, but you're not... You know, it's not burning a, a hole in your bosom to go back to it. 
So that's kind of, I think I mentioned on the earlier show, that's kind of how I rate my games. And for me, uh, you know, uh, in my scale, uh, you know, a four out of five is a game that I enjoyed, but I don't want to play it again. But I enjoyed it enough to get all the way through. But didn't quite get all the way through because I, you know, I liked it, but not enough to get all the way through. Then it's a three out of five. I, let's see, when I, what did I you was give still, it, Mike? Did you review it? I did. This was, this is so far back that I was still a reader at that point. Nice. But yeah, if you want to read it, then it's, it's in there. I gave it a two and a half. Two and a half. All right. Which it, an RP gamer does not mean 50% burn it. It just means it's slightly below average. So go and read that. Yeah. I, I think with the new site, I may go back and actually have somebody proofread some of my older reviews to this of this vintage to make sure that they read well in this day and age. <laughs> oh, I like to read reviews. Um, all right. You want to move on to the next one? You Let's ready? do it. You ready, Freddy? Uh, we are uh, talking about the Langrisius Longest War 4. Uh, this was developed by CareerSoft and Missia Games. Published by, we are talking about four. Uh, published yeah. by Nippon Computer Systems. This was released on the Sega Saturn in Japan on August 1st, 1997. Uh, this is another single player tactical RPG experience for you and for me and for everybody who speaks Japanese and is willing to <laughs> hunt down an import. Well, this one comes with a very nice import package. I got the collector's edition, which wasn't that much more than the regular edition. It was something like 15 bucks off eBay back in the day comes with a very nice art book and some pins. And I don't think we haven't even mentioned the art style, but there's a, there's an artist named Satoshi Urushihara who did the art designs for all of the original long wrister games. And he has a very distinctive style for guys. They're muscly. They're built. They have huge hair. They have gigantic pecs. And a lot of his women, well, they have a very distinct look. They tend to have um, large breasts, and they also tend to have either high boots or something else that requires them to wear a onesie, more or less, so that there's not much in the crotch area to get. Uh, apparently, this guy used to be a, a hentai artist, so that kind of explains where this comes from. But his, it's a very distinct art style and makes the characters look, well, it, it makes them stand out. And for Longrisser 4, Messiah hey, listened... I know I'm going to regret this, but now I'm Googling this stuff up. I just, I just, I'm going to regret this, aren't I? No, it's... Look for Sherry from Longrisser 2. That should be a good example. Is that with a C or an S? S. S. And hopefully that isn't too loud. I'm trying to type really softly here because I have a loud <laughs> keyboard. Um, oh, oh my goodness. Okay. All right. All right. I was like looking at the top and I went, oh, okay. You're right. This is just, this is typical kind of like JRPG fan, you know, fanfare stuff. But then as I get to the bottom, I'm like, holy shit balls. What is in her crotch? I mean, she has, what the hell? That looks kind of uncomfortable, doesn't it? There's something wrong with that. (laughs) That's just not... The way you draw female characters, at least that's what they taught me in art class. It's like he uh, got, you know, he got his anatomy mixed up when it came to the torso section. <laughs> wow, Sherry comes packing. Yes, she does. 
Whew. All right, but you know, hey, hey, we're not here to judge an RPG backtrack, right? We embrace everybody, whatever they're into. So continue, Mike. <laughs> so Longerster 4 wisely goes back to the style of the first two games where you do not move a giant unit in a group and just watch as everybody gets into a pig pile and dumped all over the screen. And it goes back to turn-based. There is one oddity here, which is that agility actually matters now. And so instead of you being able to move everybody more or less at the same time, the the cursor automatically picks up whoever's next on the list. And the troops don't always get to move immediately after their commander. That's kind of odd. But you get multiple. You get a couple of choices and branching paths along the way. You get a very nice variety of battles. I remember a whole lot of Japanese voice acting, which I couldn't tell you much about now because this is going back nine years when I played it. This is just another really solid entry in the Longrisser series that I enjoyed very much, and it was ported sort of to the PlayStation and. I can't talk about that entry yet, except to say that there's probably some translation for Longrisser 4 by now, and it's worth seeing. It It's worth a play. It's a very good game. It's absolutely worth your time. Play it! All right. Uh, and that brings us to your choice here. I still got on my list the Dramatic Edition, Millennium, and uh, Incarnation. Let's do five. Oh, five? Didn't we just do five? No, that was four. <laughs> oh, that was four? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Stand, stand by. Uh-oh. Computer imploded. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Dang it. Dang it. Hold on. Stand by. Your call is important to us. So this is a great lesson. Boys and girls, don't drink in podcasts. Just going to put that out there. Okay. Uh, Longest War 5, The End of Legend, developed by CareerSoft and Messiah Games, published by Nippon Computer Systems, published on the Sega Saturn in Japan on June 18th, 1998. Now, this one... At least the box... That's some weird box art, but at least I'm not seeing any zombies. I'm sorry. Wrong wrong topic. Continue. All right. This one is actually set partially during the events of the fourth game. You get to see one of the main villains a few times before you finally get to kick his ass at the end of the fourth game. You see the, the longest are forecast a few times. And there aren't any real branching paths here because... The end of legend means that this was intended to be the end of the Longrisser series. One conclusion. And there's one major change here, which is that units have differing sizes on the screen, and smaller ones can take up different areas of movement than larger ones. And that's an interesting effect. Um, Let's see, the best way I can illustrate would be... Yeah, here, let's try this picture. But the effect is sometimes... needlessly confusing because if you put a large unit into the wrong spot, that can pretty effectively block you from being able to move anything else directly next to it. If it's a cramped battlefield like, I don't know, a cave or that spot you see right there where the big tower is blocking part of your path. If you put a big unit in just the wrong spot, then you can block yourself out. Yeah, that that looks like a super screw yourself over situation. 
But there are a total of only six characters you get in this one, and that's the max you can have in battle, so everybody's important. And this one also does some interesting things with its narrative. I can tell that even through the Japanese, because you're playing a guy who's a cyborg. His name is... His name is Sigma, actually. (laughs) And you have a a fellow android companion, Lambda. Okay. that's the la- that's the girl holding out the big ball of energy on the cover. Well, at least she doesn't have her ball in her. I mean, continue, continue. <laughs> I'm just being bad here. Go. No, look at what she's wearing, Phil. If it wasn't for that yellow spandex thing, what would she be wearing? She'd be unnecessarily constricted, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to have totally free movement in combat. That's super important. <laughs> I just, I have to be able to move around quickly. And so, you know, you need something that's aerodynamic, that hugs close to the skin, uh, and uh, preferably doesn't uh, hide too much of the skin in the process. So, because, uh, you know, that's more aerodynamics. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, Phil. You needed, you needed people who uh, have plenty of chances to breathe, right? Here, I really Brenda, like Brenda should do the job for you. I really like though how the the suit does cover her belly, but they made sure to draw her belly button because whenever you're wearing a suit, it always caves in on your belly button, right? Keep in mind she's an android, so I'm not sure if she would even she have would a belly need button. a belly button, right? <laughs> uh, but there, look at Brenda's art. What, is, what does that look like to you? Oh my god, that face is so familiar. Is that Yu-Gi-Oh? Is this the same artist as Yu-Gi-Oh? That's, that's like, what's her name off of Yu-Gi-Oh? It totally is, except she's totally dressed raunchy. <laughs> and holy shizballs, Mike. Okay, so in art class, what they teach you is that the distance from the top of the head to the bottom of your pelvis, that's literally one half of your height. And then, of course, the other half is in your legs, right? So if I take my finger and I go from her head to the bottom of her pelvis, and then I try to bring it down to the bottom of her feet, I only get to her kneecaps. Because her legs are that long. Well, that just means that she's really, really tall. Holy cow. Her legs are inhuman, Mike. She would look weird running like a gazelle. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen giraffes with shorter legs than that. <laughs> and what is... She has, she has a... She has, like... She, she's wearing almost nothing on her body, but behind her, she's wearing a curtain. I mean, it should be like a flowing <laughs> cape, but it's more like a curtain with a curtain rod and everything. So, I mean, it's just... Fancy curtains behind her. Is that is that to help her fleet about the the battlefield, catch some wind? I I don't know. Keep keep the dust off her shoulders. But I I think she was just getting sunburned on the shoulders very easily. I yeah, something's going on there. Well, I sw- there that's that's a different kind of cape that Clarette is wearing, isn't it? Holy cow! So I don't know what's more pointy there. Her shoulder pads or her boot. I mean, you know, I mean, but holy cow, they really stick out. If she is, let me guess, her final attack is that she just spins around like a helicopter and kills everything that's close to her with her shoulder pads. I don't remember her doing that, actually. And she's, a she Pega- a- she's a Pegasus Knight, though. Did she have a cross? Just, is, that, <laughs> is that what I, I just, who draws this shiz? Satoshi Urashihara, I gave you the name. And then her feet, they look like Ronald McDonald feet. <laughs> Holy cow. You guys have to look this stuff up. You just have to. It's just, you know what, Mike's going to put some links in the in the, in the, in the, he's, uh, in the post. But holy cow. Wow, is her super move to kick you with those gargantuan feet? 
Again, she's a Pegasus Knight, so she just flies and crashes into oh, people with with her lance. Is, is her feet so long so she can <laughs> kick the Pegasus in the side better? I mean, and does she have uh, a well, of course. But yeah, it's just that's insane. That that's not even human. I I don't even think basketball players have feet like that. I mean, holy cow. <laughs> Uh, and and she has such a huge belly button. Again, she's wearing an outfit over it, but it's huge. I think it has its own zip code. Oh my goodness gracious! Oh, maybe and, we and whenever and these maybe, are just be like like when they took her picture, they say say ah because her mouth is like way open. Like ah. <sighs> well, uh, okay. There's a character from Longer's for four. <laughs> Uh, well, at least she has full clothing, even though that doesn't really stop her breast from being totally flumped over her chest belt or whatever that's called. So, uh, yeah, I mean, of course it has to be super skin tight and show, a, I mean, the belly button at least is just a tiny dot on this one. And at least I can't see a crotch there because she's wearing some sort of tiny little skirt in front. Uh, so that's not there. She is, she does have the Jeffrey long feet again, though, the Ronald McDonald specials. <laughs> Holy cow. And that right shoulder pad, she looks lopsided. She looks just about to fall over to one side. But I guess her hair, her, her long hair is set off to the other side. So I guess that kind of balances out. But it looks like it would give her a neck cramp. And at least she has a nice full cape so that she is protected from the sun. I mean, right? at least at least her cape looks like a cape, unlike that first one that looked like, literally looked like a curtain. It literally looked like a bunched up curtain. I mean, it was just, it, I mean, I was just looking for the string to pull the curtain open. I was just looking for it. Okay, then here, I'll give you the hero of the fourth game, Landis. Well, of course he's a guy, so he's got to look better than this, right? Oh, yeah, see, at least, I mean, his feet are kind of big, but at least they're almost in the realm of possibility. And, uh, you know, well, I can't, uh, I think he does have, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell his arms in the way, but it, it looks like he has less of a crotch than women do. He's got a but... really long legs, too, though. He does have long legs. That That is true. Um, but I, I like the design of that. He, he's pretty cool. That's different. Kind of a, a cool look for a hero. A little atypical. He doesn't look like a 17-year-old, I'm winning the pit. Hero save the world. He, he, he does look like, hey, I'm a badass. This is what I do for a living. Get out of my way. So at least, I do like the design on it. Yeah, so that that's a symbol of what Satoshi Urushihara can do with what he's called upon to do. Hulking men who are the leads. Like, Here's here's the lead of the third game, and look at the look at the mane on that guy. That's holy that's some hair. hair. That's some hair. Wow, that that just blows the Lion King away um, with that vicious mane. Uh, he definitely has the super long feet. I like how he's wearing like uh, what are those called the, the metal boots or whatever. But they're super sharp at the end. So I feel like if he kicked me with that, it would totally just stab me to death. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I like the other guy better though. I mean, this one's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It does it does the job. And I do I do like the fact he doesn't look like another teeter. So that that's a bonus. Okay, what about what about Elwin from Longerser 2 and Dare Longerser? Who doesn't quite have that kind of a overpowering mane, but Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, he definitely goes back to the 17-18-year-old stereotype. But he does have that really huge shoulder on the right side and 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 I and I just don't know how he stands straight without falling over. I get the feeling that could be detrimental in a battlefield if he was to whip around quickly in the wrong direction. His fists are a little small, but maybe that's just my eye and the bulk of the armor and stuff like that. He's got um, some pretty huge He's got a lot of armor on. It's a lot of armor. Like, see, this is why the girls would kick his ass. 
the girls fighting against him because they're lightweight. They're not wearing much, so they can quickly dodge around him and keep poking at him until he dies. And he won't be able to land a blow on them because they're just too quick. But yeah, like, that's a lot of armor. Like uh, Imelda here, uh, she can join you in Der Lager, sir. Oh and yeah, she, Ms. And she's a general. Ms. Yeah, her her real name. If you if you look up the original Japanese, and then you translate that through Google back and forth to English, back and forth to Japanese a few times, you find out her real name is actually Mrs. Crotch. <laughs> so that's totally a thing. I'm sorry, Mike. Now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it. Every time I see this picture, I just focus in the middle. I just I can't I can't look I just it's like it's like a car accident that's happening in front of you you know you shouldn't watch but you can't take your eyes away you just can't do it, it that's that's what she's doing to me that's all I can see is the crotch <laughs> that's her secret weapon boys and girls I'm just uh, why well, Mike? well now why now that we have done an excellent job of showing that. It's very difficult this, to describe people the same way you can this give has them been, just... <laughs> this has been Video Game Art Critic with Phil Willis. <laughs> Elevating video game art to its highest levels. Longrisser 5 has an, a much more electronic feel to its soundtrack than the earlier games. Not so much rocking, more more synth feeling. But it's it's very catchy on its own, and I kind of liked it. Oh, and there's a... One of the villains is another cyborg named Omega. I kept thinking that he might be, in fact, our very own Adrian Omega Bite, but he doesn't play tactical games, so it couldn't possibly have been him. And this is a worthy game. I enjoyed it very much. A good way, a fine way to end a very good series. And Longrisser 4 and 5 got ported to the PlayStation, but what happened for that port was apparently Messiah decided the movement system for Longrisser 5, you know, the one I showed you a picture of where you're able to move within a much more nebulous range than just squares. That was what Longrisser 4 needed. So that movement system has been put into Longrisser 4 on the PlayStation. So you probably want to stick to the Saturn version unless you really, really like the Longrisser 5 movement system, which... I didn't, but it was still a very solid game. Didn't they port them to PS2, or is it just PS1? I think it's just PS1. I think only Longest or 3 got ported to PS2, and I haven't played that version. It, For all I know, it's an improvement over the Saturn version. Probably it is. Hmm. Okay. Which one's next, Mike? Well, let's see. Longest or Dramatic Edition is more or less Longest or 1 and 2, just remade for the Saturn with some voice acting, nicely improved graphics. Longrisser 1 has had a whole bunch of interface improvements so that it moves faster. And, oh yeah, Longrisser 2 is Dare Longrisser, so you have multiple paths to choose from. And really, there, there are worse things than improving some of the interface aspects of the first game, pairing it with the second game, putting it on one disc, and giving it to somebody on the Saturn because... That will keep you busy for a while. It just—it certainly did me. And what about Incarnation or Millennium? Uh, let's, what's what's let's, Millennium? Millennium is the Dreamcast one. I didn't know about this one. Well, it wasn't made by the original team. It was made by a different group because somebody decided, yeah, we, we, sh- we can't let the series die yet. Let's have a whole bunch of people who've never worked on it before make another game. 
And what you get with Longrisser Millennium isn't so much a Longrisser game. It's more of a horrible, horrible Dragon Force ripoff. You you try and get control castles around the world, but instead of with Dragon Force, where where, uh, once you take over a castle, the losers have to walk back over to another castle off the map here. If that happens, then they just magically teleport somewhere else immediately. And the battle system is so awful. You have a party of four people. You control one of them. The other three just kind of run around the field and do whatever the hell they want, and you can't control what they're doing at all. And the one person you control moves very slowly, and this is a behind-the-back 3D action type of thing. And your job is to go and beat up the other people who are a total of four, and once you beat them all up, you win. And usually you can do that by running around in a very slow circle because this thing does not move quickly. It's like you're running through deep water. Hit, back up, hit again, back up. Unless you're fighting more than one enemy because then, oh, crap, you can't see everything because the camera can't be controlled at all. Uh, Let's see see here. I'm looking at my old review again to remind me of exactly what the hell this is. The mission of the one character under your direct control is to move toward the enemy characters and beat them up. And you try and beat up the leader. You beat up the other characters only because they'll get in your way. And where was it? I swear there was a horrible, horrible sound effect that shows up in this game and you can't ever turn it off. Uh, Oh, Oh, there it is. Every time anybody casts a spell in battle, I characterized it nine years ago as cat stuck in a blender. You hear that every time a spell happens. Nice. (laughs) Yep. Oh, yes, and I forgot the developer of this game is Santa. Nice. Santa. Ho, 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 ho. Yes. Santa gave everyone a present. Of course he did. uh, Okay, here's another way it resembles Dragon Force. You can choose from one of five characters at the beginning. You try and conquer the whole map. You get a different story for each of them. And it's so baffling. The final boss is the only time the game gets hard. I distinctly remember this. I played through it once. I didn't have any real problems. It was such a joke, mostly because it was programmed so badly, that I got through it in less than 10 hours. Then I got to the final boss. The final boss whooped my butt. And then you don't get another chance, but you get an ending anyway. You get a bad ending of some kind. And so you get two endings with each character. And it's it's not worth it, though. It was a piece of junk. It looks horrible. Uh, There's some nice character art, but that's about it. Uh, Yeah, here... Here, John, look at this image and tell me if this looks at all like Dragon Force to you. It's it's a shot of the world map. Yeah, it's it's a different angle, but it's similar for sure. Yeah, just just forget anything about Dragon Force <laughs> being interesting and requiring some thought on your part because this game doesn't. I wish I could say that Longer Millennium is uh, an unsung classic, but really, it's a piece of crap and should be forgotten which I have more or less managed to do based on my poor recollection of it, and I don't regret that at all. Oh, and there is one longer game I have not played, 
There's a Longrister Millennium game on the Wonder Swan of all things, which is huh. apparently a, an actual tactical game. Really? The Wonder but Swan has never... some pretty cool sounding games that I've never really got into or, or sought out yet or explored, I should say. Yeah, the Wonder Swan, if it had come out over here, it might have done pretty well. The Game Boy would have crushed it. That the Game Boy crushed everything, but for the for the si- for the time and the hardware, that thing was pretty impressive. All right, Phil, are we ready to move on to the final entry? I, I can't imagine it could get worse after what you just said. But let's give this a shot. Longest well, this war. This is the only other game that was released officially in English. Logis War Reincarnation Tensei uh, was developed by Masaya Games, released in Japan by, or published in Japan by Extreme Games and in North America by Axis Games. Uh, this was released on the Nintendo 3DS, originally in Japan on July 23rd, 2015, and then later in North America on April 19th, 2016. Which this means we're exactly two years two later. Two years. We are, we are within... Our rules here at RPG Backtrack, the two-year rule is in effect, and it came down today. This is a single-player tactical RPG. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Okay, so this one, in addition to having one of those ridiculous titles that's just a mismatch of punctuation and... Seriously, how the hell do you read that title? When do you, since when are you able to put a colon in between two words without a space? What the heck is that? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm... I'm picking on the grammar. It's it's called creativity, Mike. Embrace it. You're right. I'm I'm a stodgy stick in the mud, and I like <laughs> the things I read to make sense to me. That's, it's almost that's... like the RV is like a reply in an <laughs> like reply in this incarnation. You're right. Never even occurred to me until now. So this is actually a tactical game in the vein of the older Longrissers. It's not like Millennium, which is a good thing. However, it really doesn't convince anybody that they should go back and play the better games in this series because what you get here is pretty much let's have a bunch of people who don't remember how longer the intricacies operate let's have them make a game that looks like it and kind of feels like it just dumbed down to the point where you don't really have to think a whole lot you can just steamroller everything and there you go that's isn't that a great tactical game not really. Oh, that's sounding exciting. <laughs> and it? yeah, there, there are multiple paths, sure. I don't remember any of the characters. I There's a new character artist this time around who um, he came up with some stuff that but they, those sure were character designs. I I remember my lead had white hair, maybe. Yeah, they looked pretty terrible. I remember being really happy about this game. And I pre-ordered it, and I didn't cancel my pre-order, and everyone said it was crap, and then I still haven't played it because everyone says crap. That makes me sad. And I really can't tell you any different. I, when I played it, I guess I was in a slightly more forgiving mood. I only gave it a 2 out of 5, which by uh, consider, compared to what some of the other reviewers gave it is kind of generous. And I guess that's just because I had good memories of the series, but really, this is not it. Sure, you get multiple paths. Sure, you have a lot of characters. Sure, there's a lot, there's actual dialogue where you can talk to people between stages now. Ooh. And none of it really made any impression on me. You, you, did, you, you, 
Didn't Axis localize it? Yeah, and Axis, as far as I could tell, did a f- solid job with the localization. I had no complaints there. I just wonder why they chose to localize this. That's a good question. I really don't know. <laughs> we're trying to localize one of the old games, but I guess there's no platform to put it on. Yeah. You'd have to actually spend a little money to put the the translation of Longrisser 2 on the virtual console, and that's not going to sell because nobody cares about Mega Drive games anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, my lead's name is Ares. Forgot that. He, he does not deserve to be named after the Greek god of war. <laughs> Did you actually uh, beat it? Did you go through the whole thing, or did you get bogged down? I did. I did beat it. That, that's that's the condition of our site. You have to beat the game in order to review it. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Song, you may not know Mike, but he's a glutton for punishment. No one can beat and complete sucky ass games like Mister Meaty. Oh, I know. I read he's a machine. Reviews. He's not human. He's a machine. Remember, I beat not one but two of those things from Idea Factory. <laughs> did you play Mugen Souls? I did no! not. <laughs> I understand Mr. Apps did, though, and his mm. he gets PTSD the instant you try and bring it up, even to this very day. I knew one of the mics played Mugen Well, I let Mike Apps take that one, and I'm glad I did, because mm-hmm. my Idea Factory experiences have been enough to sour me on that company forever. I don't need any more. And then there's the odd, a whole bunch of the music in here is pretty much recycled wholesale from earlier Longrister games. You play this and you'll go, hey, I know that tune. That was in Longrister too, because they just grabbed Noriyuki Iwadari's music, threw it in here with maybe some slight remixes. And, you know, they're, they're good tunes, but it's so lazy. And I wish I could come up with more to say about it. And I probably would have two years ago, but I refuse to go back and play it again right now because it's not worth it. It is not a worthy entry in the Longrister series. It is. It's better not, than Millennium. There, that's really? that's the most I'll say for it. Yeah, really. Well, well, Millennium not only didn't feel like a Longrister game, but it played like crap in its action <laughs> segments. Seriously, have you ever wanted? Did when you were playing Warsong or when you're playing Longrister two? Do you think I just wish I had to react in real time to this? You probably didn't. And you yeah, certainly don't want to have it ruined or sour sour itself by comparison with Dragon Force because that's just a a terrible design choice. Let's 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 mix it in name with one series and in play style with another and not do either of them justice. What a great idea. Yeah, but did the characters look better than Reincarnation's characters? Like, I remember how bad it looked. Google some images of Reincarnation. Uh, you will be disappointed. I'm telling the listeners. Yeah, I'll give it. I'll give Millennium this. The character illustrations were actually pretty decent. The game behind them is crap, but the character animations are all right. Uh, we, yeah, here they don't have the full blown artwork, but that's that's a that's a decent portrait in the in the window that shows you what they kind of look like. And then I think. Reincarnation, looking at the screenshots, didn't even have like uh, the large maps with all the you know obstacles and terrain. It's just like a big square with a bunch of squares inside of it, and it's kind of flat terrain. Yeah, there, I mean, there's some hills, but you can go around them most of the time. And I remember one battle where 
you're trying to make it to the end of a railroad track because there's some weapon that's going to go off at the end of it, but enemies just kind of pop out with seemingly without a whole lot of forethought, like, oh, you've killed everything, but you haven't reached the right point of the map yet, so we're not going to throw any more enemies at you quite yet. You have to keep moving. Just slipshod design like that. And I wish I could give it more details right now, but it's just refusing to come clear in my memory, and I don't really want to go back and refresh it. No, that's probably your subconscious trying to protect you from further damage. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so that's the... I think I believe that's the whole Longest War series, and it sounds like there's a lot of good games in there, as long as you avoid those last two we talked about. Yeah, and even if you can if you can track down that Wonderswan one, it's supposed to be decent. I I'm kind of curious about it. I may play it someday. Well, cool. All right. Well, we're gonna take uh, we're gonna take another little break. Let you listen to some more soundtrack, and we're gonna come back to do the final lap. This is the final lap where we read your comments, we talk about what we're doing, and oh, so much more. It's the kitchen sink of the podcast. It is uh, the final lap. Our last episode was RPG Backtrack, episode 186, You Can Make History Young Again. We talked about to we talked about Radiant Historia. I have a comment on there from Victor, who said that Radiant Historia was a great game overall, but he remembers that it suffered from a bad case of Linear Warriors Quadratic Wizard Syndrome. The further one progressed in the game, the more pathetic physical fires were compared to the powerful magic users. Was this rebalanced for the 3DS remake at all? Mm, not completely, but just by d- virtue of having the people not in the party do support attacks between actions, that automatically makes them more useful. And I have no idea about the DLC for Perfect Chronology, 
because I got that review code from Mac, so I didn't have to pay for the game and haven't looked at the DLC. Yeah, I, I my understanding is is that um, you don't really need it. That was my understanding. It's the only reason I bought the game because I tend to research that when I buy a game. I, I I'm not a fan of DLC. I'll tell you. I have not bought Final Fantasy 15 on that principle. Uh, there's a number of good games uh, that I've stuck my nose up at because I find out it's got, you know, DLC that's important to the storyline. Or it's, I don't care if you want to have DLC for costumes or something along those lines. But to kind of go back to our earlier comment about Fire Emblem Fates, when you've got DLC that's like locking away entire plot points, story points, things like that, that, that just kind of chaps my hide. If it's isn't ex- the third storyline in Fates Revelation isn't that entirely downloadable? Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you bought right. the collector's I edition. Yeah, unless oh, right, the collector's edition. Yes, which is um, which, probably ridiculously which, expensive now. <laughs> yeah, it was in very short supply when it came out because I tried to grab it. And it was already sold out when I when I tried to grab it. Anyways, um, but yeah, you you basically you know. So I ended up with. With Fire Emblem, what do I have? Birthright? And so, in order to get the full story, and and generally speaking, generally speaking, I just, I normally would not buy this game just off of principle, but I, I kind of balance this on the fact that I did enjoy the last Fire Emblem so much, and I want, I didn't want the Fire Emblem series to die off, and I know that that last game kind of saved them, but I, you know, this was obviously, you know, yeah. (laughs) So I went ahead and bought... Uh, yes, you have to buy Conquest, and then you have to buy um, Revelation. It's all That's DLC. Right. Yeah, no, the Revelations, the third one. It's yeah, it ends up being separate DLC. Um, see, now you're gonna make me look it up because now I'm kind of curious. Which is, I'm, I'm actually gonna wonder. I'm, I'm gonna hate myself for doing this because I'm probably gonna find out how much I actually spent on this. But yeah, generally speaking, this kind of stuff chaps my hide, and I still don't think it was a great decision here. But you know, at the same time, it was like, okay, we're kind of voting with our dialers to make more Fire Emblem games. And I do enjoy the Fire Emblem. I do enjoy tactical RPGs. Um, so I like to think that it was because these two games were so financially successful that we're going to get, you know, cool ones on the Switch. So I'm excited about that. In its defense, each of the games is almost like an entire Fire Emblem game in of itself. And, that's true. But yeah. that's why when I reviewed Conquest, I was very favorable because... It is a very sizable package, even with just you're going with your with uh, <clears throat> your adopted imperial family. All right, it's yeah. Like they use a bunch of the same assets, so it makes it. Less that, that's what I'm game. saying. Like it's it's I, you know it, it, this is so this is the value trade proposition with at least this game, right? So it's forty bucks for the main game, and if you if you didn't tell me if you if you had just done let's say Birthright or Conquest, and you didn't and you didn't have the choice. It was just part of the story. The rest of the Fire Emblem would have been a, a full experience worth $40. I enjoyed it. I would have been happy. Then you give me these two other choices. Each one of those are 20 bucks, by the way. So if you get Birthright, you get Revelation after you've already owned Conquest, Mike. You're basically, if you want both of those, you're going to pony up. So Birthright is a basically another quote-unquote full experience, but it's recycling the same assets. But they're basically giving it to you for 20 bucks. so... I guess I could justify that. You're giving me more story, more writing, more relationships, but you're reusing a lot of the same assets and you're charging me half the price of the original game. I guess I could justify that. But then if you want Revelations as well, then you have to pony up another 20 bucks. And while we're on that topic, before you do any of this, boys and girls, if you are going to get into Fire Emblem Fates and you're going to look at this, 
Uh, one thing that you might find interesting is that each one, not only do they tell a different story, but there is fundamental differences in their difficulty because uh, Birthright, for example, will let you grind up, which is huge. But I forget, I think it's Conquest or Revelation, one of those two. There's no grinding at all. Every battle, every conquest. experience points, Conquest. Every experience points matter, doesn't it, Mike? <laughs> yes. And Conquest, I recall. I I used the, whatever we whatever they're calling it, the, the function where people don't die in combat in a Fire Emblem game. Yeah. Just because I was trying to review the thing in a timely fashion and... If people die all the time, that's going to impact my completion time. I'll, I'll be the first and one. Even, just... oh, even on the easiest difficulty, some of the stuff near the end was pretty br- nasty. And I can see how on a higher difficulty, that would have been really, really rough. Yeah. And I'll be the first one to say, like, I I do. It's called that's the casual mode, quote, unquote, casual mode. There's nothing casual about some of those harder fights. Um, I, I totally applaud that decision because... Having played the older Fire Emblem games, uh, I I didn't actually complete any of them. Because at some point towards the end of those games, they get really difficult. And it feels to be very cheesy, especially when they use the Fog of War. And some Pegasus Knight comes from deep in the fog and just come over and one-hit shot the guy whose weapon he's, you know, is weak against him. And that character's dead forever. Unless, of course, you reload the game, which is what most of us will do. We'll reload the game all the way from the start. Try to remember that Pegasus Knight is there, but we don't know exactly where he's at. He's got a huge flying range, so you can only kind of guesstimate. And it, it feels like you have to have this four. It just got very frustrating to me without or running the swordsmen with the killer blades that come in oh. and crit you. Yeah, yeah, or they come and crit you, right? And it would be like a one or two percent chance, but it'd be the one percent because I have the Willis luck. It would be my luck that it would work well, and the guy uh, would die. The swordsman with the killer blade usually have like a 30% chance or a 15 oh. 30% chance of crit. And oh, those killer blades. Yeah. And then they almost always crit when it's that high. Oh, sure. Sure. Especially since they're usually fast enough to get a second strike in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes it even more exciting. So, uh, uh, nothing. Yeah. I, I did that. I did the old style Fire Emblem. I did the fourth one. I did the third one. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the fifth one because I found that one absolutely insanely brutal and just gave up. I did the sixth one. I did the seventh one, the first one in English. I did the eighth one. Is the fifth one Burning Blade? No, the fifth one is uh, Thracia 776. The sixth one is Burning Blade. Is it the fifth one? Because I thought it, that one of them is just a remake of the first. The third one is half a remake of the first and half a sequel to the first. Where okay, yeah. Yeah, the first it you can tell because the first half of the game, which is the remake of the first, is so sparse in text, and then you do the second half. Whoa, they're talking a whole lot more. It's still in Japanese, so I don't know what the hell is going on, but it's noticeable. <laughs> and then that was the one that got remade for the DS Fire Emblem that we didn't get. Shadow Dragon, we got. No, we we got Shadow Dragon, and then they yeah. did a remake of the new part of the third game, and I played that. And of course, it that was the one we we didn't get. And of course, it was pretty interesting and actually clamped down a bit on how ridiculous that game got toward the end. Anyway, I have done the old school Fire Emblem thing many times. Call me a wimp, call me an old guy who doesn't want it anymore. But I, I chose the easy way. <laughs> yeah, no, just and and yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I like. Good challenge. I like the I like the possibility of death. 
Um, especially if I feel like I've made a poor tactical decision or something, it's just very, very frustrating and, and how some of those, you know, felt and some of them did feel cheap. Some of those did feel like it was outside my control. And that's on top of the fact that, yeah, even when you don't have the fog of war and you can see all the enemies, you know, we have so many enemies on the board. There's so much to account for. And occasionally what's really funny is you, you start to rely on what their normal AI patterns are. But depending on the game, occasionally there would be some RNG and it would deviate and take you by surprise. <laughs> and you're like, you're not supposed to do that. Oh, you just killed my dancer. That's just just, just not right. So, yeah. And of course, in, in a lot of the older games, the dancers can't even fight back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, so, but, 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 but I, I don't know how we got off on all this, but yes, by, by general, like, I, there's so many games I have just stuck in my nose up now. I've got a Kabillion game, so I almost look for excuses not to buy games sometimes. And when I see that it's got <laughs> DLC where the story is locked behind the DLC, um, instead of just being claimed like an extra chapter, like with Horizon Zero Dawn, you get a full story with the main game. If you want to buy the DLC, it's like an epilogue. It's like an extra chapter, but it, you don't feel like you missed anything from the story by not playing. So I was fine with that. But we digress. What are we going to talk about now? We're going to talk about the fact that you need to head over to rpgamer.com. Uh, we have a lot of great news stories up there. We got lots of reviews for you to check out. Uh, we got a review on Minute. We got a review on Defender of the Oasis. Don't know who wrote that, but you need to go and run and check that out. Uh, great. Great, well-written review. Not a great review of the game, as far as, like, it didn't review great. But uh, you'll want to go and check out Defenders of the Oasis, a game that I grew up with on my uh, Sega Game Gear. Yeah, I, I don't know who could have possibly reviewed that. Mm-mm, don't know. We also have Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon, and we have a review for Yakuza 6 up, uh, which I just got in the mail. Uh, if you're listening to this, thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. He sent that to me, so I really am very appreciative, and I will get to it one day as it goes into my backlog. Um, <laughs> yeah, because the games are really fun, but I just haven't had time to get to them. Whew! Uh, but let's 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 do the roundtable stuff. Let's start with uh, let's start with Mr. Song. Who? <laughs> Mr. Song Dringer. It's your turn. What I are how you? These things go. What are you? What are you doing on the side? And what games are you playing? What's exciting to you? It's the kitchen sink. You can talk about whatever's on your mind. Well, games I've been playing was a war song. No, um, <laughs> I ta- I was on this uh, the Q and A of apps recently, and I was playing tried out Monster Hunter World. Uh, figured out Monster Hunter games aren't for me. I didn't really didn't really grab me. Okay, you didn't give it enough time. Try again. That was the wrong answer. (laughs) (laughs) In case you didn't know, Phil has gone down the monster rabbit hole. Swing your sword, your weapon at the monster a whole bunch, and then it runs away, and then you chase it, and then you find it again, and you attack it some more, and then it runs away, and you chase it, and then you get some loot, and then you go back to town, and then you find another monster. You turn it into badass-looking armor and weapons (laughs) so you can go kill bigger monsters that are tougher and have a freaking chance in hell of actually not getting your ass kicked. That's that's part of the problem, right? You fight Nergigante with beginner armor, see how far you get. I mean, maybe you're so good. Maybe you're like, what's it called, Uh, Dark Souls good? If you're no. Dark Souls 3 good, you might be able to hit Nergigante with your beginner weapon and armor and not die. I wasn't saying it wasn't a challenge or anything. It just... It, the, the gameplay aspect didn't drive me to keep playing. It, it, I didn't hate it while I played it, 
But when I wasn't playing it, or say I put it up and I, you know, okay, I'm going upstairs to play a game, I didn't say, oh man, I can't wait to play some more Monster Hunter. It didn't, it didn't pull me back in to keep. Try a different weapon. I already wrong weapon. Started, wrong I traded weapon. it for a copy of Golvilius for the second Master System this week. Actually, there you go. <laughs> it's a true story. I just got it in the mail today, and a copy of Robo Trek. Robo Trek. That's a classic. It's an un un uh, unappreciated classic, underappreciated. Hey, we did an episode on Robo Trek way back when. I know. Really? I love myself some Robo Trek. I've never played it actually. So, yeah. one's the first time I've ever. It's owned. a very interesting game. Yeah, what you I need to do quirky. is go listen to RPG at Backtrack so we can spoil it for you. Then go and play it. Yeah, and then I was playing a lot of Into the Breach. Oh yeah, that's a cool. Actually, one. That's really fun. That's yeah, an awesome game. That's very awesome. good. I yeah. uh, still been playing a lot of uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. It's like my veg out and play with some buddies uh have a lot of fun i was playing that since the early beta and uh that whole thing hooked me and it's still pretty fun still enjoy myself it's not rpg so not as on topic um i was playing they are billions for a while it's uh almost like a tire defense rts in a way hmm. so it's like it's an rts where you try to protect yourself through waves of zombies and it's Actually, I really like it a lot. What's, um, it, what's it called? They are billions. Oh, they are billions. Okay, it's, it's really fun. Uh, oh, and I've been recently going through. Uh, I did some. I guess this last weekend, actually, uh, several hours worth of uh, Crusader Kings too. So that's always Ooh. good times. Yeah, that's a cool game, Steam Wishlist, because I like real time strategy and I like tower defense. I mean, I you know with most. I was really hooked on it for a bit. Yeah, and with most real time strategy games. You know, if you defend too much, you're going to get your ass kicked. Like in StarCraft or something, there are defenses, but it's really not the focus of the game. It's an offensive game. So, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it's a little bit more... There are a couple of RTSs that are a little bit more defensive-based uh, that, that let you do different towers, but something like this sounds pretty appealing. I'm going to go look at it. It's hard. I'm okay it's with difficult. that. It's difficult. Yeah. Um, and so Crusader Kings 2. Another hobby I've picked up since... Uh, I've talked about it some in the RPG cast, but... Uh, Definitely more recent thing. I've been painting miniatures uh, for like board games and Reaper miniatures and all that. And I've never been a very artistic person. I wouldn't say my miniatures are awesome, but they're some of them have impressed me or surprised me that they're better than I thought I could have done before I started. So that's sweet. Yeah. And I like Dungeons and Dragons, and people will bring their miniatures and some of them that they painted. And yep. it's always fun looking at them. Yeah, I, I'm kind of doing that, and I just got a, a shipment in today from Reaper uh, Miniatures, uh, the Reaper Paints, and I got a couple of their little miniatures, and one of them I got like a, a unicorn, so I, I was going to paint it for my daughter and give it to her, she's gonna, she, so she's really excited about that, so at least something she appreciates. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are the things I've been doing. The next, uh, I also got a Super NT recently, uh, if you're not familiar, that's the FPGA uh analog system or by it's from the company analog uh and it's a hdmi super nintendo that is more of a hardware it's it's like a clone console but it's not just like one of those cheapy clone consoles that look like crap it it's almost 100 percent accurate and it's amazing on a on an hdtv it makes sure it kind of gives your your super nintendo games that uh, new retro look to them, like a new, a more modern game made to look retro. It kind of gives gives you that that vibe. Now, anyone who's played uh, an emulator with, you know, that's uh, changed changed the resolution and such on the uh, 
on the video, we'll, we'll see something similar. So it's nothing you can't already have seen, but it's pretty impressive putting it up on my big screen TV and uh, some Super Nintendo goodness. Uh, and a game that's about to come out that I'm really pumped for is Battletech. So oh, that, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I played Battle. Well, I played Battle, uh, whatever Mech Commander back in the day. Yep, yep. And I love that one. I mean, you're talking all turn-based tactical RPGs blowing up. That's what. That's what the Mech Commander was. The turn-based one, and yeah, not a lot of people. Had some RTS, I thought. Mm, not, no, Mech I Commander. Was a little more. I thought for some reason I thought Mech Commander is more real time-ish. Was it only turn-based? Not Mech Commander. Yeah, Mech Commander was definitely turn-based. In yeah, fact, played- that's. That's why Kickstarter this one because it was it was basically this is Mech Commander for the 2018 yeah. and I'm like oh hells yeah because Mech Commander was so much fun it was it was it might have been I mean it may have been you're right you know what it's been so long since I played it it's possible that it not real time strategy as far as like a base building game but maybe right. like maybe like Baldur's Gate real time where it's pause yeah. and play which I'm yeah. with you I. That's the one thing that, you know, I still say to this day, I like Baldur's Gate, but I don't love and adore it because they took the D&D turn-based system and try to make it a real-time thing, which for me makes it frustrating uh, and, and makes it difficult to coordinate nearly as well as I would do in a turn-based situation. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, yeah, but turn-based is even better. Yeah, sure, sure. Definitely pumped about Battletech. And, yeah. Uh, I've watched some video. I've watched, I've watched a few streams. I've tried not to watch it too much because i don't want stuff to spoil me mm-hmm. but yeah this is you know there's a lot of games that come out to where i buy them and i'm like yeah i want to play this and then it, I, I shelve it mm-hmm. uh this is a game i'm gonna buy it install it day one and play it day one cool. uh, there's only a few games it's not often that a game i do that now so it that that's gonna be one probably pillars two will be another um I'm also excited about Banner Saga 3 this year. Those are probably my top three excited yeah. games. Got some really good games, and they're really deep, and they're juicy RPGs. So we're getting good quality. Yep. Um, so that's that's my story. Cool. That's an exciting story, except for that first thing you said. But uh, I almost kicked you off the show right there, <laughs> talking <laughs> blasphemy about Monster Hunter. Psh, I, I, I bought it. I tried it. it looked whatever. Cool. Whatever. You didn't give it enough time, like, dude. Oh, that's nice. Did you get 100 like, hours in? Oh, definitely not. Then you didn't. Then you didn't give it a chance. That's like if, saying, "Phil." If a game takes a hundred hours to get good. No, it doesn't take a hundred hours to get good. <laughs> it takes a hundred hours for you to get into your groove and get to the cool monsters. That really, it really pays off when you see that this preparation you did and the strategies you learned, how good you got with your weapon, as well as the gear that you farmed up. Like you hopefully picked some good monster gear because there's there's every monster has a gear set. But do those skills that, that that come with that particular set are they good with your play style? Are they good for what you're you know driving at? Are they good against the monsters that you're facing? You know, it doesn't help you if it's weak against a fire when you're fighting a fire boss. So you know, combining and having different sets to deal with different situations, having different strategies, I feel like is a big. That's where for me, anyways, it's a, it's a big part of the payoff. Um, but I don't follow cookie care stuff. Now, some people argue that, you know, you have to play this with other people too, to have a ton of fun. So it is made to be more of a multiplayer experience from what I understand. That doesn't stop me from just having a crap ton of fun on my own, but yeah, the grind just didn't, it just couldn't see, it doesn't feel, and it, for me, it doesn't feel grindy until you get to the 250 hour mark because you don't need, you, you don't need every monster piece of armor to move up. If you, I often say, like in low rank, I got through low rank just using Anjaneth armor. 
Angie's one of the the first basically big roadblocks that you fight in the game. You only have to beat him three or four times, three times usually, to get his full armor set, right? Then what else are you grinding up? You know, Fighting, it's just the whole. I guess the whole the like I say, it's find look for a monster, attack monster, it runs away, chase him, kill him, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Yeah, killing monsters is fun. They're big and they're huge and they need to die. And they're 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 vicious and evil and so we must invade their territory and kill them. But yeah, it's Maybe it sounds like you have a problem with monsters. I know, right? It's basically if it was more a, like an MMO, it probably would have grabbed me more. Well, speaking of MMO, one of the things that they've added with this latest update now is there's now a there's this is what they've never done this game before. So there are bosses in the game. You probably haven't got to the bigger ones like Nergiganti or whatever have you. But the later bosses are really tough to take on by yourself. You generally get with four people, and that's how you take on some of these tougher guys. But what they've added with this latest update that just came out is there's now a, a gigantic elder dragon. I have to look up its name, but it requires 16 people. That's like raid quality, right? That's like yep. World of Warcraft raid quality. They've never really have done this before. So this is this is in any of the series of the games before. It's always been Captive 4. Um, and there's some really cool mechanics supporting this and how you go out, you track him down and uh, and attack him. I'm not familiar with it yet. I've not had a chance to sit down and, and play it and experience it for myself. But I've had some of my friends are, who are you know have a lot more free time than I do have already texted me while I was at work telling me, "Oh my gosh, Phil, this is so awesome!" <laughs> and uh, and and definitely gives it a little bit more of an MMO. Uh, you know feel to it in fact monster hunter is often talked about it's kind of like a a a a, an mmo that you can play offline because you can play it alone and work up your character and then you when you go with your friends you've got that full set you're already ready you know or if you don't want to do it alone you can always have them help you grind you up like when we're online we got some newer player who's on the team he's like hey i need some help with legiana we're like yeah let's go kick his ass for it we we like to show off. We got glowing weapons. We're happy to do that for you. So, but anyway, like it's I, I don't think it's a bad game. And you I better not say it. it's a bad game. Where's my I new just, button at? It's Where's... just like not for me. Yeah, there you go. And, um, I, and I hear that's common with it's kind of one of those games that a lot of people don't like it, and a lot of people love it. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you, um, I, I can tell you about a game. I'll tell you all about the game that I play. Uh, that pretty much falls into that category of it's not funny type of thing. But first, it's Mr. Miki's turn. Well, I've still been playing Muramasa Rebirth on the Vita. So we spoke of so We spoke pretty. of DLC. This is the original on the Wii did not have DLC, but this version does have DLC. And you know what? It's pretty good DLC. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard get... that it's good. What do you get? What do you get with that DLC, Mike? All right, you get four different other characters to play. You get uh, you get a lady who gets killed, and her cat decides to take vengeance on her for her. So you play as either the cat or the woman in the form of a cat. You then get to play as a ninja. You also get to be a farmer, which is interesting because he has he uses a hoe. He uses a sickle, and he uses oh, what's his third weapon? Whatever. He, and he and when he summons, uh, when he changes weapons, he sometimes summons a friend in. Just a second. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, each of them actually plays distinctively, 
and it's fun. And uh, the fourth one, the fourth one is the one I'm not done with yet. It's really goofy. At first, you think you're playing this this guy who just left the monastery and he's trying to pick up on every woman in sight. And he managed to get attached to this little girl who has an alternate form of a big strapping woman who's the son of the whole ruler of the daughter of the ruler of hell. And what do you know? He miss he she thought she he she thought he proposed to her. So she, we're going around kicking the crap out of his excuses for not being able to marry her immediately. And she also plays a little differently. So each of them plays distinctively. Their stories are not as long as the main stories, but you get to go through some distinct enemies, distinct areas, and they have some unique bosses, including the freaky, freaky one. The uh, the raccoon slash tanuki. Oh my, I don't know where they came up with this, but it has testicles as large as the rest of its entire body that it sits on. Nice balls of steel. Yeah. This came out in 2013, this DLC. I think it was influenced by a certain episode of South Park, of all things. Nice. And Maybe yeah, once just... you get... Th- Go ahead. Well, each of them also develop differently. You don't get new weapons. Instead, you get new abilities and get more powerful, make your current weapons more powerful mm-hmm. instead of, you know, going through th- that huge rank of swords that you develop in the main game. Right. And that's also kind of interesting. And I haven't done this part yet. I've just been going through the main stories of them. But then, of course, you get to uh, they take down all the barriers because since this is since these are smaller, you don't get to run through as large of areas. But once you get the ending, you get to go grind your people because you can go anywhere and fight anything in all those caves of evil or whatnot and try to get the real endings. Mm-hmm. And I might just try and do that because this this, this game is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it looks so great on the Vita. Um, it's very bright and very colorful. It's definitely a looker. And, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Just just a ton of fun. And whenever I review this, I'm going to have to devote a lot of time to the DLC because it's not just new costumes or some new artwork. No, you, you get this is some pretty substantial stuff here. I may not be able to review it, for a little bit because I accepted Mac's offer of a review code for the Vita version of Cosmic Star Heroin, which I should probably start playing pretty soon because we're going to need a review of that. But I haven't played it yet because I'm still playing Muramasa. It's so much fun, you can't put it down. Anyway, what else does it? Uh, yeah, that's about all I've been playing lately, but hey, Phil, are you ready? Are you ready for Infinity War? Infinity War? You know, like Marvel? The Inv- Avengers Infinity War, Phil. Ten years of Marvel movies have all been building up to this. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. I'll get to it one day. <laughs> it's in my backlog, along with, like, the five other Marvel movies that I've missed since Captain America. I think you've missed more than five. Yeah, probably. Did you uh, see Black Panther? <laughs> no. Was I supposed to? I really don't know, but given that it was doing really, really well, apparently you're... You're the odd man out. You didn't see it. 
Well, I, yeah, you're not part of the conversation, Phil. I know. I have friends. It's like, what? You haven't seen, you know, Black Panther or whatever? Every time Marvel movie comes out, it seems to be like every six months nowadays. I get the same surprise expression every time. It's like, no, it's with everything on my plate and, and everything else. Um, the only way I get the time to play the games that I do is pretty much by forsaking, you know, most television and movies. So... When I no, get through with college, I'll catch months up. now, Phil. Yeah. Black Panther came out in February. Infinity War is coming out at the end of April. Then I think Deadpool 2 doesn't technically count because it's still in – it's not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but whatever. It's coming out in May. Jeez. <laughs> then there's Ant-Man and Wasp in the summer. Oh, boy. Then there's – oh, oh the, the Venom movie is coming this fall. Oh, boy. And there may be another DC movie coming this year. I don't remember right now. Oh, you think it'd be something along the lines of oversaturation, but people are going and seeing it and paying the bills, so God bless them. Yeah, and I think it doesn't mean as much to show the box office returns for Black Panther. Yes, it's done very well, but if you were to compare it and say the number of tickets sold, Gone with the Wind is the number one movie ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though that movie is four hours long. That people just kept going to see that thing. Wow. That's some staying power. Yep. So Black Panther is not going to take that record anytime soon. We are not going to get an extra hundred million. No, that's that's not even enough. It'd have to be another three, four hundred million people to go buy tickets to see it in the theater for Mm -hmm. to have a shot at competing with Gun with the Wind. Uh I'm kind of running. I'm kind of running low on stuff to say now about games because I'm out. You're next, Phil. Go for it. Yeah. So I I alluded to earlier about you know some of the so some of the things are definitely acquired taste with with certain people. Uh, for me, it's Jade Empire. So I I played that for uh, ARPG April, which for me is American RPG <laughs> for my silly little month of system. And uh, it, August is action RPG. And August is action RPG for me. That's correct. So, um, so Jade Empire. I mean, Jade Empire would have fit, fit as an action RPG as well, but uh, I chose it for the American side. Anyways, Bioware game, and you know, Bioware games for me have always been kind of a love hate relationship. Uh, I did, as I mentioned before, uh, I didn't really, uh, you know, I liked how they brought life to the characters in Baldur's Gate. I, obviously, those were well, more, better well done than any previous D&D game I had played up to that point where they felt like, you know, before that, most D&D characters in video games felt like 2D cardboard cutouts. But the combat system where they moved it to a real-time strategy game instead of a turn-based combat system, but still using the D&D rule set, just, it just grated on my nerves. Jade Empire is even worse in both, like, more of this <laughs> amplified that's what it is, is amplified i feel like the story is more intriguing i really want to find out what's going on there jade empire uh it, it's got a, a pretty cool uh pretty cool premise to it you're like the last of the whatever monks spirit monks life monks undead monks whatever the hell they are but the whole point is these were monks that are are basically ch- um tasked with helping the undead or the people who die to transition onto the afterlife. At least that was, that was my take on what they were trying now, to I say. I played it about five years ago, right mm-hmm. when we did the episode on it. I remember the combat being kind of enjoyable to me. 
Yeah. I was playing it on PC, so I had the nice 10 key ability to just shift between fighting styles on the fly. That okay. was very nice. You're kind of rushing it, Mike. Still talking oh, about the I'm story. sorry. Oh. The, 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 you know, but as you, as we talked about on the show, the, you know, the, the, the premise of the, you know, of you're the last of those people. Uh, but back when they, they basically the, the emperor was pissed off at the water dragon god or whatever the hell it was because there had been a drought going on for so long. So he decides <laughs> he decides he's had enough. He decides to wipe out all the monks that worship that. And you as a baby were was the only survivor of that. So you get to carry on the, that tradition. Um, your teacher saves you and, and runs away. And he has a big role in there. But um, I, I felt like the story was super intriguing and I liked the characters. But yes, going to the combat was where it fell apart for me because I'm using an, using an Xbox controller. I don't really feel it was the controller's fault, but uh, I felt very frustrated. And maybe it's, maybe, you know, I try to play these games understanding that it's an older game. And so... You know, I understand the graphics aren't going to be PlayStation 4. I understand that they, some of those gameplay developments aren't going to be there. But for me, it was just frustrating. It's supposed to be a fast, cool kung fu thing. And I felt like my character was slow to respond. Um, I felt like I was, con- you know, there's a lot of, con- if it was just like one on two, one on three, it wasn't so bad. But there's combats where you literally have seven, eight, nine enemies coming at you you do have area control things to help trip them up slow them down uh but you know a lot of times i start wailing on a guy the other ones have already jumped up and would attack me from behind so then i have to heal but then i'm out of magic so then i have to absorb spirit from them to get more magic and it just became this for some of these bigger fights it becomes more of this war of attrition there is this one fight in the pirate cave that's in the first dozen hours where you're literally fighting nine or ten pirates at the same time and my sidekick, who uh, you know, whatever is Buckethead, he dies really. <laughs> he dies really quickly because it's the power of numbers, and they don't. It isn't like one of those games where your sidekick is pretty much invulnerable. No, no, he pretty much takes damage like you do. So he had the red X through them, so they had nothing to do but to focus on me. So I would trip them up, then I would slow them down, then I go to wail on one, but then the other was a jump up. So I would, you know. Then one of them blocks, and when they blocks, you got to do a strong attack. So I do a strong attack, but then the guy with the fast attack hits me. And so I'm running around, just kiting as best as I can, but taking some hits along the way and having to recharge and then use Spirit Thief to get some of that energy back. That battle ended up taking me 20 minutes. And I'm not saying I'm the best person that there is or anything along those lines. Maybe I could learn to get good. But for me, 20 minutes for what's supposed to be an action RPG combat is just... I mean, it's just... yeah. It just felt clunky, slow, and bulky to me. It ended up just, just, just taxing my patience. I just feel like there's so many more action RPGs that do that better. I'd rather go back and play Secret of Mana for crying out loud. I just ugh. Diablo came out on that time around that time. I'll go play Diablo. I don't care. It just, just don't make me go through the molasses system of attrition <laughs> anymore. So, but I know I a lot just, of people loved it. A lot of people loved it. I know Scott in particular loves that game. That's one of his top games of all time yeah so i know i know that a lot of people liked it and somehow got past the combat i think the other thing for me was the camera control trying to find out what was going on the camera felt like it was fighting against me more times than not um you couldn't see the person behind me who came up and whacked me from behind uh just trying to get around people and and get them in front of me so i could do an aoe effect some of the cool AOE, like fire is supposed to have this really cool aoe dealy but it takes time to cast 
which when there's seven people about to attack you, that doesn't really work out well. So you try to, you try to do, you trip them up, then they're spread out, then they're no longer close to, I don't know. It just didn't flow very well to me. I wanted to feel like a kung fu, like I love, I love and adore the, the premise of a Chinese mythical setting. I mean, I, I love the Asian culture. My wife is from that area. Um, I absolutely adore it. I just, I wanted to like this game more, but the combat was like, for me, was like nails across the chalkboard. It just wasn't slick. It wasn't smooth. Uh, and maybe I've been spoiled. It is possible I've just been spoiled by, you know, slicker games like Horizon Zero Dawn. That's another action RPG, but the combat is just so satisfying in that game. It's just so responsive, so slick and so smooth. And I don't feel like I'm fighting the camera. Um, uh, you know, something along those lines. I love playing the, you know, speaking of uh, acquired taste, a lot of people don't like, what are they called? Masao? Musao? Musao? Musao. Musao Dynasty Warriors stuff? The Dynasty Warriors stuff, right? A lot of people don't like those, but I enjoy the heck out of those. And those are just kind of almost like action RPGs. They don't have the best story. Um, you, you do have kind of leveling up mechanics, gearing up mechanics, decisions you kind of make, but they're not really deep on the RPG side. They're not deep on the combat side, um, but it's just satisfying. I like gearing up. I like the grinding up. I, I like beating the crap out of thousands of faceless soldiers. Oh, no, they have faith. But uh, generic-looking soldiers. I don't want to say faceless on this podcast. That just brings up bad images. I, I th- I'm surprised that a game you never played had this deep of an effect on you, Phil. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You just can't let it go. Once you've, se- once you've seen it, you can't unsee it, Mike. You just can't. But, I saw it, and yet I've been able to purge it from my mind pretty well. I don't know what happened with you, Phil. Yeah. So I, I, I acquiesce that there's a lot of good elements to the game, and I also acquiesce that some people have no problem with what I feel are like tank-like controls and the such that just didn't click with me. So that's why I gave it a rate of try it instead of trash it. If I totally think a game has got very few redeeming qualities, I will say trash it. Uh, this one's a try it. But I, I just... I could even give it a play it because I didn't get I just I have no desire to go back and give it more time. I want to see what's going to happen in the story. That would be the only thing. But if I have to go through another fight with 12 enemy ninjas who are just ganging up on me, it's not like one of those old fight em games where they all wait to take their turn either. You know, like remember that double dragon, like each person would wait their turn to, to, to slap you down. Yeah, they don't really do that here. Well, they're taking their cue from all the martial arts movies. It doesn't work so much if 10 people try to attack you simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, speaking of Dragon uh, Dragon Quest Dragon Warrior, my May is mobile slash portable RPG month. So for, you know, I'm going to go back to Dragon Quest Seven, get that guy knocked out. I saw some of the um, gameplay footage for Dragon Quest Eleven, and it just looks fabulous um i'm brokenhearted we're not going to get the 3ds version as i mentioned we were off the air the 3ds version had some exclusive content including being able to go back and visit cities from all of the previous games that was sounded just totally awesome plus it had the retro 2d mode where you could you know hit a button and be playing the dra- you know dragon quest 11 but but with with the 2d sprites of like the super nintendo era that sounded pretty cool but it sounds like they're not going to be bringing that over to the United States. But we do get the we're graphic the PS4 version, cool. and we're getting the we're getting it on Steam, right? Probably. Uh, yeah, I know about the PS4 definitely. That's what I'm most interested in. Uh, but yeah, we're going to get the graphically superior 
very beautiful, very gorgeous uh, PlayStation uh, 4 version. So super excited about that. Uh, it just looks so cute. If you can go and look up some of the footage. And excited to report, because one of the reasons I was I was trying to keep my hype down on this was because I was worried that they were going to... Uh, uh, Dragon Quest XI is on Steam. Echoes of an Elusive Age. So yes, you you can pre-purchase it on Steam. So yes, it is coming to Steam. What was I talking about? Oh, one thing I was worried about watching some of the gameplay footage is I was worried that they had turned the combat system to like a real-time deal, which is nails across the chalkboard for me, personally. When you take something that's been a proven turn-based combat system and you try to turn it into uh, real-time. But it's not. You can run around and reposition your character, but it's still pretty much turn-based. So have no fear. It's a turn-based game. <laughs> if you're like me and you're worried about them kind of going down the Final Fantasy route, where what's Final Fantasy now? It's turned into an action RPG. It's it's no longer a traditional turn-based JRPG. Granted, with the action combat systems of the past, one could argue it was never technically a turn-based, but for me it was. If there's a bar that's filling up and you take your turn, that's turn-based. Especially with... Most of the Final Fantasies, there was a setting that while you were in your menus choosing your action, the game would pause. It's just a matter of or that you bar can, Or you could turn it to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, for me, it I was... I don't remember if 13 had that option. No. Uh, 12, yeah, 12, you know, 12 kind of felt more... I mean, as far as this feeling, it was an MMO, but it, it certainly kind of felt a little bit further away from the turn-based thing. But it still was turn-based underneath the helm, and you still had those options if you needed it. Uh, but yeah, 13 was more of a strategy feel as far as like you really weren't individually controlling your other players, but basically saying, nope. okay, you're going to kind of heal. You're going to kind of do this. And that was definitely pushing me too far into not liking it because now you're just really so far away from that fundamental formula. That's in addition to all the other things wrong with 13, but yeah. I've, I've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll be going, uh, hopefully getting seven finished up. Right now I'm doing the clock tower and I, you know, I, I, I threw okay, the switch yeah. on the clock tower, Cielo, Ciela, whatever the hell the, that town is called. But I threw the switch on the clock tower, which stops time in that town. So everyone's frozen stiff. I couldn't figure out what to do next. So instead of wandering around aimlessly and talking to every frozen NPC, I did break down and FAQ it because I'm just tired and I just don't care anymore. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you have to go into this one basement and walk into this painting. Well, okay. Somehow I totally missed the bread trail crumb for that one. So went down. there will be a boss waiting for you at the end of that dungeon. Yeah, yeah. And it's a long-ass dungeon uh, with lots of encounters, random encounters that are very hard to avoid because the corridors are very, very thin. So I like how people are like, whoa, Dragon Quest, new Dragon Quest games are so awesome because you can see the monsters and avoid them. But then they put you in these very tiny corridors where that's nigh impossible. Eight does it better. Yeah. Well, and that's why I'm really looking forward to eight. And I want to play, so seven, uh, seven is really the the next, yeah. And I'll, I mean, I put some time into nine. I'm not going to go into nine too far. To me, nine's really, at that point, it was made to be more, not... Not to say it doesn't have a great single-player focus, but it clearly was was working hard on the multiplayer aspect of it. And so I've, I've tried 9 a couple of times, and it just ugh, falls flat for me. Um, so I don't think I'll ever beat 9, but I do want to beat 8, and then then I feel like I'll be completely ready for 10. And I can say I pretty much have beaten all... You mean 11? All, <laughs> 11, yeah. Yeah, I we're not doing we're 10. we're going to get 10. No, no. So I can say I've beaten every Dragon Quest from 1 to 8... Spent some time in nine, went to eleven. Because yeah, 
it's just it's just my pet peeve when you turn these games into you know multiplayer games when you turn these games into real time strategies. It's just not to say hey I like action RPGs. I love Horizon Zero Dawn. Right? I'm okay with with but when you take when you take like Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest or Dungeon Dragons and these were turn based systems to begin with and you try to morph them into that, I just feel like more times than I do give them a shot, but I usually walk away unsatisfied and I think it's because you know you're trying to take a cat and turn it into a dog and there's going to be complications in doing so as opposed to just starting off from fresh and saying we're going to build a dog i think kind of the cool thing about final fantasy tactics was they took a step away and say hey we're just going to commit to this turn-based thing and do this from scratch and it's going to have some final fantasy themes and classes to it but we're not trying to take the mainline final fantasy series and shoehorn it into this new format instead it was we're going to take this from scratch i, I just like that's just my whole night but uh yeah and as i mentioned before fire uh fire emblem fates on the switch i have this i have this dream mike uh what's her name lynn i think it's lynn from fire emblem yeah lynn mm-hmm. i i think she's in was it uh what ga- what game was she originally in Do you the remember? first english fire emblem on the gba yes that one that's the one Fire Emblem on the GBA, which I played for quite some time. I never beat it, but I got through like 30. I seem to recall you coming up against a Fog of War stage with somebody coming out and critical killing somebody. Over and over again. Like, it just, I, it's just, ah, I hate those Fog of Wars in a later where they up the difficulty in Fog of Wars and, ah, it's just frustrating. Maybe one day I'll go back and try to finish it. But anyways, I like the, I like the uh, Lynn as a character there. So in uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, she is a character, but you have to unlock her. And you only do that by first getting through the main story, and then it opens up. There are these chapters that you can do. The chapters kind of recreate epic battles from the previous games. Uh, like the first one is the kind of the opening scene from Fire Emblem Awakening. Uh, where you're dealing with that evil sorcerer and that kind of arena thing. But there's like a bunch of little fights you got to go through. And those little fights, and I use that in air quotes, are like five to 15 minute long battles, uh, Dynasty Warrior style, using you know the formula that they have there for Fire Island with the four characters and strategically going after who you're strong against and whatnot. So it takes you a while just to do that. So, but for Lind or Lindis or whatever her name is, you've got to... You got. You will finish the main story, unlock this chapter. That if you can beat it, you can you can unlock her. But that chapter is a higher level, <laughs> so it's not mm-hmm. easy and it's not simple. So it's going to take some grind. It's going to take some work. So that's kind of the you know my guilty pleasures. I want to you know is I just have fun with those games and I want to get up there. Uh, unfortunately for me, Hyrule Warriors comes out in a month, and that will be hard to keep Fire Emblem in there when when Hyrule Warriors comes out, because in my opinion, Hyrule Warriors is definitely the superior game. I like the fact that in the Fire Emblem Warriors, you got the four characters that you can send off in different directions, and there's different strategies to, do you pair them up? Do you, do you send them in different corners against who they're strong with? Do you keep a couple at home base to protect it? There's a layer of strategy there that really becomes important and more critical in the later story battles. I like that layer to it. And that's what I like about these Dynasty Warriors, these partnerships. But... It, you know that you don't have that layer of strategy in in Zelda Warriors, Hyrule Warriors, but the characters in Hyrule Warriors are just more varied. The weapons are more dynamic. The combat just feels more solid. It's just a more satisfying experience 
maybe with the exception of the bosses. I don't, I don't care much for the for the bosses and waiting for their weaknesses, which is typical Zelda fare. But uh, but yeah, I just had so much fun on the uh, on the 3DS version. I can't wait to see it on the Switch with the better graphics. It's gonna be so good, Mike. I don't know if you're ready yet. No, I need to finish. I need to get through Dragon Quest. You do, because I can't remember where that clock tower fits, but I know you've got a lot of that game left to go. I know, I know. And I'm working up the classes, and i got to plan for their classes. So i got a spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Well, that's probably the best way to do it. You know, Ooh, and you won't it, waste too much time. Yeah, and in Monster Hunter for Ultimate, I finally finished low rank. That took like... 80-ish hours or so over, like, months because I'm a polygamist and I can't stay focused. Uh, and that had probably the longest cutscene I have ever seen on 3DS. I swear half the cartridge was taken up with that <laughs> cutscene of just getting past low rank. If you want to hear more about our Monster Hunter exploits that Mr. Anapsa love, love to death, uh, we have been... Uh, we did record our... I don't know if he's got to post it yet, but we... Uh, yes, he does. Chapter 2... The Hunt Stories from Monster Hunter has been posted. It's up on the site, and we talked about some of our our fun and somewhat frustrating fights of the last couple of weeks. So you can go check that out there. And I have nothing to contribute because I didn't contribute to that. Yeah. And those 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 casts are a lot more focused. We're, they're not even like we're calling them like stories rather than podcasts because we'll have a beginning and an end and that we'll, we'll we'll do our run on that. And when we get bored of the game, we'll move on to something that will stop. But we um, so this is chapter two um, and we talk about like Nergiganti and some other we talk about uh, Legiana and some strategies for fighting Legiana. Uh, if you're struggling with some of that, uh, we talk about that there, but it's very focused. It's an hour long. We keep it short, brief, with short segments that go boom, boom, boom. Just machine gun feed you all kinds of tips and tricks and fun stories about our trips there. So, but I think that's about it, Mr. Mankey. Whoa. I think you're right. And what? John what? John had to run off. Oh, I'm sorry. What, what's his name? Uh, Song uh, J- Dringer, I believe. I think it changes every time. He, he had to run off. Something about other things to do tonight. Yeah. Absolutely. So do you, do you have a famous quote? Uh, oh, wait. I'm supposed to say that whole RPG. Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com. Your source reduce reviews and home to the best gaming community on the net. Check out all of our articles, reviews, and impressions, and so much more over on our website. Leave your comments at forums at RPGamer.com. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at JC Servant. Mr. Minky is at Jumason. And I believe uh, that other guy, he's Jay Scarp. <laughs> Uh, but you can you can you can hit us up a Twitter at RP Gamer as well. He, and we, he's Jay Mustang. Oh, is he Jay Mustang? Sorry, I confused yep. him with the other Jay. Thank you for the correction. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. We're we're all big fans of Twitter. We all tweet a lot, so we're happy to hear from you there. Let us know what you're playing. Let us know what you're doing. Let us know what you think of the podcast. We'll read your comments on the air if you'd like, and so much more. But thank you so much for listening. And Mr. Miki, would you like to put us to bed? I think there's a famous military dictum that says if the leader dies, then all of the troops must follow. And I can't remember if it was a soon proverb or something by Bismarck or some other, probably a Stalin thing. But that's definitely what applies to Longrisser, because if the commander dies, everyone else dies too. Good night. Good night.